What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. Alright, let's get to it. Episode number 33 of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here. And I'm joined by a very special guest. Um, a guy who we've talked about many times on this show. A guy whose voice you've heard once before on this show, if you actually listen. Um, my good buddy, Joe Stanziali, all the way from the Sunshine State of Florida. We are yeah, doing- I don't know about special there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this from long distances. Um, you're special in my heart, pal. Uh, so Joe, so Joe, thank you very much for being on. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Sean is still adjusting to his schedule. He uh, has given us and you, uh, his blessing to come on. And, uh, so yeah, welcome to the show, pal. You're, you are, uh, you're my guest co-host. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I can't wait to rip on the WWE after not watching it for a while. <laughs> but but you, you have watched recently in uh, this past week, and, and you are someone who I like to classify as someone somewhere between a hardcore and a casual fan. You're not a hardcore fan because you don't watch every single week or you don't keep up all the time, but you're not necessarily a casual fan who only watches like Royal Rumble or Mania or the, or the SummerSlam, the big shows, you know? So you're kind of a nice blend in the middle. Yeah, I'm kind of on the outside looking in, and I do try to keep up with what happens week to week, and I'll watch like Cultaholic and whatever else, you know, but I don't really watch because it's, the... I wish I could watch, I really do, and hopefully this whole AEW thing really makes the product that much better, but after Hell in a Cell, I don't really know, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we will see, we will We will see, um, but speaking of Hell in a Cell, we might as well get into that, uh, but let's start with the good from Hell in a Cell first, let's, let's, let's talk about Sasha Banks and uh, Becky Lynch. Oh, um, there's only been two women's Hell in a Cell matches, but this is, I think this is safe to say it's the best. I am so happy this happened. I mean, after that first Hell in a Cell, I think it was what, Sasha and Charlotte, correct? Yeah, they were the first. Oh, man, I felt so underwhelmed, and I don't know if that's like the general, you know, outlook on the match, but man, after this, it was so nice to see, and it was honestly, it was better than both most uh, men's Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, they innovated. The stuff that they did with those chairs and the bamboo, like, you know, uh, 
wedged into the cell, and oh, it, it was awesome. It was great. That was yeah. There was a lot of innovative spots in this match, and it was a nice, uh, fresh of, of breath air. Uh, that did not come out right at all. Fresh of breath air, eh? Fresh of breath air, eh? You know what I'm trying to say. It was it was really <laughs> nice to see uh, what they were doing in the match. Um, I really loved the spot where Becky ran. Like, she hoisted Sasha up on the chair where it was up. It was, like, being held up by those kendo sticks, yeah. and she ran and gave the drop stick. And I love this. I love the, media, the two Meteora spots uh, Sasha did. Uh, the one where she landed the ladder up against Becky, the one through the table. Even though you kind of saw like Becky kind of like jump back on it, it was still pretty cool. Uh, At least I mean, the table broke this time. Yeah, I, the first match, the table didn't break. Well, they were trying to put <laughs> Sasha to the table, and Sasha is not that heavy. Not to say Becky's yeah, heavy, like ninety pounds soaking but, wet. But, but but yeah, she Sasha's very skinny, and they just couldn't break that table. I think that was the main downfall of the previous Hell, Women's Hell in a Cell match was just they were trying to break that table and it just wouldn't break. Um, and the finish was very underwhelming. But over, but this match was uh, absolutely better. Um, where they go with Sasha Banks after this, I'm not sure. Uh, I know you are someone who is very much on the side of, you know, don't be a crybaby, come to work, do what you do. You this is you know what you you know what you signed up for. But um, how how did you feel about Sasha's um, return, coming back, and getting this feud with Becky? And how overall, how do you think the feud paid uh, paid off? I mean, I'm glad she did actually come back to the WWE because there was a lot of speculation of her going elsewhere. Um, it's just that, man, after WrestleMania, throwing a temper tantrum, then leaving and making it a big public thing, and then to come back and just to be thrown back in the title picture. I mean, Ember Moon's sitting on the sideline right now. There's so many other people who are waiting for opportunities who are just not getting them, and you're going to give them to Sasha, who, I mean, like, imagine you being a wrestler in the mm-hmm. locker room, yeah, working your tail off every week, trying to make it, and you see that happen. What kind of message does that send to you? You know, no, I mean? it doesn't send a good message to other women in the locker room, and I know I've said uh, in previous episodes of the podcast with Sean that I was for bringing Sasha back as a heel and inserting her into that only because it would generate her being giving her real heel heat. But as we can see, I mean, when Sasha is a heel, people are going to cheer for her no matter what, because that's it's very hard to get over as a true heel in today of pro, of pro wrestling. It's 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 just it's very hard. Only a certain number of guys and girls can actually get real heat. Like Charlotte as a heel gets legit heel heat. Uh, Especially when people have been asking for this for so long. I mean, people have been asking for Sasha to go back to being heel Sasha, and they finally got it, so they're happy about it. Yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, you know? But but I thought Sasha's heel work was very well done. When she came back, you know, she got a pop from the crowd, even though the crowd kept popping when she was beating up Natty and, and Becky <laughs> after SummerSlam. But, but overall, I was glad that she was back. I, um, I had a feeling she would go back to WWE. I kind of felt like she was kind of teasing them with her leaving, like, oh, I could go over to AEW, or, oh, look at this, I could go over to Impact, I could go here, I could go, you know, she could go, she was dangling the carrot, and kind of, I guess as leverage, so she can kind of get more of what she wants. Um, It is kind of a good thing that she did not win the Raw Women's Championship, because again, like you said, it does send the wrong message to other women in the locker room, you know, stomp, stomp, slam, oh, here, I got what I wanted, and that's not really how you want things in life. I did say in last week's podcast that I understand the opposite side of it, though, where I do get, yes, Sasha's been in these 
great matches. She's had these great accomplishments, these firsts in the company. But at the same time, there was a period of time where like they were just completely wasting Sasha. And again, I had mentioned that it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just glad that Sasha Banks is back and they can use her properly. But where does she go after this? She lost to Becky. They really focused on how upset she was. Bailey lost the women's championship, the SmackDown Women's Championship to Charlotte. And now Kyrie Sane and Oscar are the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And they seem to be heels. So what do you think's next for Bailey and Sasha? I don't know, but I do think that they're going to keep her somewhere around the main event scene. I mean, it's not a coincidence that Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, and Bailey are all kind of in the main event picture right now, because I do think this is eventually leading up to a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match at WrestleMania. I do think Ronda is actually going to come back sometime around Royal Rumble-ish, and that'll kind of spark everything. So they're going to fight for now, but I think eventually it's all going to culminate, culminate, culminate. I don't know. English is hard. (laughs) But it's all going to come together sometime around WrestleMania time for that match. Okay, I mean, that's definitely a match people want to see. People have been wanting to see the four four horsewomen of MMA versus the four horsewomen of WWE. But you'd think that they kind of would want them, one of them, as champion. So... Do they just have the women come in as champions and the women's championships just don't get defended at Mania that year? It's possible. That match does not need championships. And there's plenty of other people on the sideline, like I said, that could totally have those championships filled up already. So, I mean, that could just be another Mania match, you know, without the title. It could be without without the title. But knowing WWE, I could easily see them, like, having... I could easily see them having, like, every championship on the line. Like, like, let's say... um, Let's say Ronda won the Raw Women's Championship back from Becky at some point. And Shayna Baszler was able to beat Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then Sasha and Bayley have the tag championships back. I could easily see them doing, like, winner-take-all, just like this past year at WrestleMania, where the winners of each team get the titles they are fighting for. Like, if Shayna's feuding with Charlotte, she get the SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda with the Raw, and then Duke and Shafir get the tag titles. I could easily see that, but that's for sure a match that doesn't need championships. Yeah, line. and plus, do those people really need more title reigns at the moment? Again, it's... I don't know. I'd rather just see other people hold the ch- titles for right now. Um, it, if you're putting it all... If you're going to put all the titles on the line, I think the women of N, uh, MMA need to win it. Because at this point, Sasha, Charlotte, all the rest of them, they've had their chances with the title. Just yeah, they've, go down the they've had, a little bit, hang up there. They've had their day in the sun. Um, I mean, you, you, exactly. you, I mean, you can argue the same thing about Ronda, but for sure, like Shayna Baszler, whenever she gets called up, should should for sure have a good reign of the title. Um, and we'll get into Shayna Baszler later when we talk about NXT. But um. I guess moving on with Hell in a Cell, I mean, we have new, like we said, we have new women's tag team champions in Kyrie Sane and Asuka. Mm, yes. Um, the Green Mist is back. Tajiri <laughs> lives on. <laughs> I, I thought, I, um, the match itself was good, and I was glad to see Kyrie Sane and Asuka back, uh, back on, on, just on WWE television in general. I was shocked to see that they turned them heel. I, I didn't know any indication of that at all. Um, 
Bliss and Nikki Cross are apparently babyface, but then again, they've been flip-flopping with Bliss all the time. Um, but yeah, I th- Ky- Kyrie and Asuka, one thing I can't stand is inconsistency with, with wrestlers' characters, but if, if they're doing this like they did last night, and as we're recording this, we're recording this before Monday Night Raw on the uh, 7th of October, so we're pretty much talking about everything that's happened from a week, this past week in wrestling. Um, if they can be like this consistently, I'm okay with that. But at the same time, you're very heel heavy when it comes to the women's, excuse me, women's tag teams. I mean, Kyrie saying Asuka, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, the Iconics. Don't you they, dare say the Iconics are heels. They are glorious, <laughs> and don't you dare forget that. <laughs> well, they work like heels. Yeah, but everyone cheers them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, like well, 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 hang on. How, how about then? Then I, that's my point. You have to turn one of these other teams babyface. Bliss and Nikki Cross are babyface. Which, well, I don't think they're really going to be a team much longer once the draft happens. I think they're going to get separated. But I think you should turn Billy Kay and Peyton Royce babyface. I mean, they're they're entertaining to begin with. Oh, they're probably the most entertaining tag team in the roster besides maybe heavy machinery because Otis is another blessing to our hearts. <laughs> At least main roster. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, New Day's always entertaining. Yeah, but you know, you already know what you're getting with New Day. I think yeah. Iconics are still kind of newish. You know, they can still do a lot of stuff and they haven't done face work really in the main roster yet, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do there if they do. Yeah, face. yeah, it would. I mean, they're both fantastic at what they do. I mean, I think Billy Kay does like fantastic character work more than as an in-ring performer. Not, not that she's not good in the, in the ring, but I think she's just great with a character, and, and that's mainly one thing that's more, almost more important than being a good wrestler. Uh, Peyton Royce, I think, has mm. great at both because uh, Peyton Royce is very great in ring, and um, similar to Sasha, her favorite wrestler is Eddie Guerrero, and you can see the influence, influences she has from Eddie just watching her in the ring. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd be careful about saying the whole character work is almost as important as wrestling. I mean, some people might get mad at you. The pure wrestling fans, it's still real to them, damn it. <laughs> the, the ones who, uh, like, like, <laughs> like, like you like to say, they don't they don't buy deodorant, but they'll spend like $400 on a replica title belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, People are silly. Walking around with an AEW shirt. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking of buying one of those, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be a little meta. I don't know. <laughs> no, not to just to make fun of AEW fans or anything like that. We, we we love what AEW is doing, and we'll get into that later on. Uh, yeah. but, but hey, those are the AEW shirts, actually, uh, some just popped up in Hot Topic recently. Oh, really? Yeah, so you got uh, the Bucks uh, Superkick Fiesta shirt, which is pretty cool. Cody's shirt, hmm. Hangman Page's shirt, uh Jericho's little bit of the bubbly shirt is in there, <laughs> and uh, the AEW logo shirt, and I believe Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus's shirt. Uh, there's so there's that was like six I just named off. That's it for now, but I'm sure there'll be more. I mean, people have been waiting for a while. Anyway, we're getting a little what? side. Sorry, getting a little sidetracked. We'll talk about AEW a little bit later. Um, let's just move on to uh, Seth Rollins and and the Fiend in Hel- inside Hell in a Cell. Um, I messaged you earlier today and just said, Are "You ready to just you know." dump all over this if I could just make a collective sigh in text form <laughs> I guess I could have said, said sigh but that's not gonna you know, <laughs> well, it's get audio. across the point that it's, I want it's, to it's audio now so you can sigh now <laughs> oh yeah, there we go 
Oh Jesus! Okay, okay. You, you just frig- you just redlined right there. Yeah, uh, that's fine. We oh, are having Jesus. Fun. So <laughs> we seriously, seriously apologize if you are, you know, if your ear canals are being uh, punished, so to speak. Just lower the volume. Just like our eyeballs were last night. Yeah, just just lower yeah. the just just lower the volume because um, again, this this is something I'm doing for the very first time, recording with someone. Uh, Without being in the same, obnoxious, yeah, yeah, because obnoxious, <laughs> because without being in the same place, as you can tell, Joe is a much different co-host than Sean, as you can already tell. Absolutely, hundred um, percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Sean. We love you, Pat. We love you. All Please right. come back. Please come back. <laughs> okay, so yeah, watching this, I was telling you earlier, I didn't get a chance to see the entire pay-per-view of Hell in a Cell. I only, I literally just got to see Sasha and Becky, the women's tag match and the main event when I got home. When this started, though, this was going really well. Um, I felt like everything was going right. The Fiend was doing great work in the ring. In-ring work, is that's including outside the cell, and you know, you know what I mean. Um, I felt like he was showing similarities to when he faced Balor. Like, at one point, he was like, hunched over and he had his gloves over his hands over his face and just like almost like not sure what to do and like almost like that that great moment when he had uh, his match against Balor was when like he almost tried to take the mask off mm. and it seems like he's being, he's being tortured by the fiend Bray Wyatt but and then he just was sadistic and we saw when we saw parts of that again like when he went to go you know hit the the, the snap neck spot I guess you could call it. Uh, the murder on yeah. live TV. Yeah, <laughs> the murder of Seth Rollins, if only. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They burned it down. Oh, yeah, they they burned down a pile of dog shit is what they did. Oh, my God. So <laughs> as as the match progressed, you just saw... Once, once Rollins started getting like that crazy amount of Superman offense in, that's when things started turning for the worst. You can chime in any time here, pal. Seth, before he, you know, that isn't that a, how a lot of his matches went? He would just hit Superman punch after Superman punch, spear after spear, and then haha, I went. Um, not all of Roman's matches. I mean, I think there there is a clear thing though. When WWE puts gets behind someone as the top guy, mm. they make him yeah. this larger than life Superman character. And that's never been Seth Rollins. No. Like, Seth Rollins, a year ago, everybody loved him. He was putting on some of the best matches on pay-per-view, on TV. Like, do you remember that gauntlet match he had? Like, he, like that match lasted almost the entire show. He, was, he, oh, wrestled, yeah. he wrestled on Raw for, like, over an hour. And he beat John Cena. He beat Roman Reigns. Um... He may have be he may have pinned somebody else too, but I can't remember. And it was for the the I think the last spot in the elimination chamber. And I'm like, my God, Seth Rollins is freaking awesome. He had a great run with the IC title. He had, he uh, had great tag matches with Ambrose going against Ziggler and and uh, McIntyre. Like that, Seth Rollins. That was. Well, you know what it is. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think what it is is that if you're the main guy, if you're the star you know, player on WWE that's been handpicked by Vince. I think you're only allowed to do certain things, meaning 
when John Cena was around, he was kind of, you know, known as the guy who does the five moves of doom. And then uh, Reigns came in, and then he kind of did the same thing, really. He did that drop kick, the drive-by drop kick, whatever they call it. He did yeah, the Superman punch, the spear, and maybe like a Samoan drop. You know, he had the same thing. And now Rollins, he does the, uh, the, the oh my god, the curb stomp, the pedigree. Uh, I mean, pedigree he got rid of, but now all of a sudden he brought it back for some reason. The super kick. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, his repertoire has clearly shrunk since he's become, you know, Vince's golden star. You got a point, and I don't know what the reasoning is why when they make somebody the guy and the top guy, they kind of just hinder what they can do. Like, Roman Reigns has actually been more interesting and more fun to watch than Seth Rollins. Just like John Cena was more interesting to watch once he was out and Roman Reigns was in. It's a pattern. If you yeah. If you are the top guy in WWE, then Vince is going to ruin you. I mean, Roman Reigns had one of the most interesting stories going in for the past few months now. It ended poorly, but at the start, <laughs> it had so much potential. It made a you know it made a star at a Buddy Murphy for about three weeks. Unfortunately, I mean Buddy Murphy is awesome, and they haven't done anything with him in a while. No way! You mean they have pe- they have guys sitting on the sideline doing nothing? Get yeah. out of here! Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like. It's, the Fiend no-selling a lot of these moves was was good. Him kicking out at one after all those moves was good. I mean, yeah, I good. can I can even I can even deal with that. But what I can't deal with when Rollins started putting all those the chair, the ladder, and then he started beating them up with the with the the toolbox on top of that. And to go back just a little bit, Dio Madden said that. The fiend impaled Rollins with a <laughs> with, with with a mallet. Imagine that impaling someone with a blunt object. That's oh my god! <laughs> like again, another murder on live TV. Man, it's that'd just be like, really interesting. You, you've you've got. I mean, you got Vic Joseph and credit. Vic Joseph is really good. I know you're a little mm-hmm. new to him, Joe, but Vic Joseph has he's done really great commentary on Two Hundred Five Live and. Fantastic commentary with uh, with Nigel McGuinness on NXT UK. If you watch the NXT Takeover, um, I believe it was what was the first one they did? It wasn't Cardiff. Cardiff was recently, but the, the, the first NXT Takeover they did, UK Takeover, uh, earlier this year. That was incredible work done by McGuinness and uh, and Vic Joseph. But he's got Dio Madden, a guy who used to be a football player who's just getting his feet wet in commentary, and Jerry Lawler, who hasn't been good in, in years. And it doesn't help that he probably has someone in his ear yapping, telling him what to say, and you're going by a script, which I'm sure doesn't really exist, or at least not to the extent in NXT that it does in the main roster. I know, so that and, probably and I, I told you this, like, we were messaging each other one day. I honestly would have put someone like Byron Saxon in that spot. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Byron Saxon can be annoying as a character on, on, on commentary, but that's kind of who he is. He's like a good... And here's kid. the thing. I want to hate Byron Saxon. I don't want to hate Jerry Lawler. Let him be in peace. Let him watch puppies all he wants. Let Byron <laughs> Saxon get all the hate. I mean, I think Lawler's supposed... Is Lawler supposed to be a heel commentator, though? Is he? <sighs> I think I think so. I mean, I, no one likes him. 
<laughs> so if, if he is, then I, you know, I don't know. Successful. Again, apparently he's supposed to be like temporary. But getting away from the commentary team for a second, I mean, so Bray hitting Seth with a big cartoonish uh, mallet is good. Yeah, I didn't mind the mallet. I mean, yeah, it's a little over the top, but so is wrestling. Yeah, but that's okay. In the in in the match, that's okay. Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw Sasha and Becky like just destroy each other in this match. All of a sudden, Rollins gets too a little too pissed off and starts beating him up with a toolbox, or he starts to get the sledgehammer, and oh my god, all of a sudden that's bad? If you heard the ref, he said, come on, it's not you. Come on, man, you really gonna do this? You're gonna kill this guy. Come on, don't do it. You're, this worth it? This worth it? You're gonna kill him. Come on, Seth. Just take it easy. And they're like, no, that's it. Read the bill. Like, I don't remember a worst, a, a more outlandish no curse here. Bullshit ending to a pay-per-view in a long time. And there have been some really bad endings to WWE pay-per-views. Really bad endings. And it's they- such a shame because it overshadows a lot of good stuff. And when... I understand that it wasn't executed properly. When Seth Rollins was kind of hitting him with the chair, the ladder, and the chair within the ladder, like an Oreo. I don't know what, what that does, but sure. Um, but <laughs> I think what they were going for was the fiend is such a presence and such an intimidating factor that Seth kind of went crazy. I don't know if you are aware of like Cthulhu or something like or stuff like that, but just the sight of them kind of makes you go nuts. I think that's what they were kind of going for, where he was just kind of going into his psyche. Because you realize after he pinned him the first time, doing the, all the stomps, he did more curb stomps, and then he hit him with a chair. And then after a while, he just stopped bothering pinning him. He just wanted to hurt him. So I think that was the angle they were trying to go for, but the execution was just so piss poor. And the that ref what, that what, like the fiend pleading. was trying to to possess Rollins in a way. Not even possess. It's just that he got into his psyche. He got into his head, and it wasn't even like him doing it at the moment. It, it happened before the match, and something just snapped in Rollins after seeing him kick out at one after everything. So I think that was what they were going for. I mean, yeah. Not that he has magical powers. Well, I guess he does, but you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like that's always going to be attached to Bray Wyatt, no matter what. The whole mystic voodoo uh, shit, you know? I just think that apparently this was the finish they came up with for not putting the title on The Fiend. And Xbox said it himself on on the watch-along. I watched a clip earlier, and he says, like, he's like, they're probably not going to invite me back for another one of these, but how the hell do you get DQ'd in Hell in a Cell match? Well, it was a no contest. It wasn't a DQ. Well, whatever it is, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It really is. And they did the same thing last year with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar interfered between Strowman and Reigns' match for the Universal Championship, and beat the hell out of him, and it ended in a no contest. At least that makes more sense than what happened here. Here, you know what this match flashed back to? I'm sorry, but the, the watching this ending. Flashback to when I talked to you first about when Bray Wyatt first debuted as the guy who with the Wyatt family with Rowan and Harper. I, what did I say to you when he first debuted? I said there is no possible way that they can ruin this guy. There was no way because he was the most interesting thing that <laughs> WWE has done in years. Yeah. And what happened? They've ruined him ten times over. 
And so he gets a second chance, and not to say that this is going to ruin him, okay? This is one thing, yes, we're all pissed off about it, but you know what? You have to kind of take things into perspective. This is one match. At the end of the day, this is one match. But this is not going in a place where it should be. And you have to be worried as a fan of just Bray Wyatt or wrestling in general, because, boy, this is this is bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was really, really bad. And I remember seeing, uh, not seeing, but I watched Cultaholic's predictions and then Adam Bacitti going with the no contest because he saw a poll on Twitter from WWE. How do you think the ma- uh. how, how do you think the ending of of Rollins and the Fiend will go? Fiend will win. Rollins will win. A DQ. <laughs> like this is what pisses me off about WWE sometimes. How they insult the fans' intelligence. You are just putting it out there that a possibility, oh, it, this might happen. Putting it in our heads. But really you're saying, this is what we're going to do. What I don't get is, why do this finish? If you were not going to put the title on The Fiend, on Bray Wyatt, then don't book the match. It's as simple as that. There are plenty of other guys who you can put against Seth Rollins for that title. I understand he is the most popular thing going on right now. He's the most interesting thing going on in the feed in Bray Wyatt. He is. He really is. So the smart thing to do is to book him in the main event and to have him feud with the champion and put the title on him. It's it's simple. It's simple booking. But knowing with WWE, they don't book simply. If you weren't gonna put if you weren't gonna put the title on Rollins. I mean, off the Fiend, put on Fiend, take it off Rollins. Why don't you have Rollins feud with, I don't know, start him feud with AJ Styles again. Have him feud with Ricochet, Rey Mysterio, s- somebody. Other than the Fiend. You know, what the, you you know what the Fiend is? He's a guy who you can put these bigger uh, stars against. Guys who are just coming off of main event pushes or guys who have been veterans in the uh, company for a while. Guys like Rome, uh, Randy Orton or maybe once, you know, Kofi, now that Kofi Kingston isn't WWE champion anymore, which we'll get back, you know, which we'll cover yeah. later on. But, you know, guys like that would be great because since they're on their way down already, that's easy pickings for the Fiend to just kind of beat and, you know, just solidify him as this guy who you just can't beat. And the fact that you're going to put him in a title match in his second match ever mm-hmm. and you're not going to put the belt on him is... It's a cop-out. I, I don't understand it. It's a cop-out finish is what it is. I said the same thing about Ronda and Becky. I felt like it was a cop-out finish because we kept hearing all these all these rumors and reports and speculation that that Ronda didn't want to pin be pinned or she want she want to tap out to Becky. From what I heard, apparently the finish what they did is what is what they came up with. But that moment in WrestleMania 35 this past year where Becky got that crucifix pin on Ronda, where one of her shoulders wasn't even down, it kind of <laughs> took away the moment from Becky's win. That's a big deal. It's the first ever main event where women are main eventing WrestleMania. The first time a woman is holding up a championship at the end of a show. Two championships at the end of a WrestleMania. And it's a huge moment for someone like Becky Lynch. And then Ronda just getting up and complaining and being like, whoa, whoa, what happened? I had had one shoulder. Like, just doing that takes it away. And and again, it makes Ronda seem like a crybaby. Like that—that's one thing I just didn't get about Ronda Rousey. Like I felt she was acting a lot like a female Hogan from these reports. <laughs> she like she didn't want to lose. I'm like, 
Are you kidding me? But that's the great thing about that match. She didn't have to. Anyone with a normal functioning brain could have just said, okay, go ahead and pin Charlotte. You don't have to get pinned by Becky. You don't have to tap out to Becky. Just pin Charlotte. Tap out Charlotte. She's right there. Then again, fans will, fans will fans will be pissed off about that. But then, but if Ronda's going to come back at some point, that sets up a match between Ronda and Becky down the line. Absolutely. But I think what it's we just need the simple thing is they just don't do right. It's like, they don't. It's they all don't. About the little things. They don't capitalize on lightning in a bottle anymore. They don't do it. <laughs> they don't. What do, do you it mean? Anymore. They did great with Rusev Day. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. And look, and look what Rusev's <laughs> doing. He's he's a cuck now. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting uh, into getting into that, I guess we should talk about Raw. We'll we'll we're moved on from Hell in a Cell. Um, I think I, I yeah, I guess we'll start backwards from there. So Rusev comes back. He comes back. Apparently, Maria Canella said he's the father of my child. With by the way, the greatest '70s porn star mustache of all time. <laughs> it's great. No, I think I mean at first we, <laughs> at first we thought Rusev was going to get pushed as a monster heel again. Which I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. Rusev hasn't, we haven't seen Rusev in a while. But then the whole, you know, the whole Miss TV segment happened with Hogan and Flair. And I swear to God, I thought for a second they were going to book Flair and Hogan at Crown Jewel. I was like, oh no, please God, no. How and, great would that have been? <laughs> it would have been. Two 10,000 year old men. <laughs> Walking around, slapping each other. Oh, my God. I mean, it it probably would have been funny. It would have been really... I would be sports entertained. <laughs> it would be really funny. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be sad like the Goldberg-Taker match, but it be it would just be funny. <laughs> yeah. I, ima- I imagine how the crowd in Saudi Arabia would have... Imagined, like, because like, they started chanting, this is awesome with Goldberg and Taker. Oh, they'd go crazy. Are you nuts? <laughs> they'd go nuts for that. H- Hogan would think, oh, brother, Hulkamania's alive and well. I gotta come out of retirement, brother. Like, just, he would do that, probably. And then Flair, like, you know, he'd be wrestling every Saudi Arabia show because he needs money owed to the IRS. <laughs> he probably could, too. Just wrestle his suit for a couple of minutes and he'll be fine. Oh, Give him a couple million dollars and there I you mean, go. Do, do we really want to see Hogan or Flair wrestle anymore? They're uh, No. Exactly. But yes. <laughs> if it's against each other, then sure. There's <laughs> <laughs> a dark but, side to everybody. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll get to the the Rusev thing at the end uh, in a bit. I know, like, one thing I couldn't stand about Monday was when I, I liked the Brock Lesnar beatdown of Rey Mysterio and Dominic. It went on a little too long, but I liked it initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like... I was wondering... Well, where's Seth Rollins? I understand you're kind of done with Brock and Seth as a feud, but where the hell was Seth Rollins? He says Rey Mysterio is a hero of his. He says Rey Mysterio is, is a dream match he's always wanted. He, they even talked to him afterwards. He's like, hold on, Charlie. Like, like, right now, I am just absolutely disgusted by what happened with Brock Lesnar. And I, and I want to send my deepest condolences to him and Dominic and hope that, him, that they're okay. But I couldn't believe what I was watching. Then why didn't you do anything? You're supposed you just sit in the back saying, <laughs> like, "You're supposed to be the top baby face in WWE. You're supposed to be like the guy. You're you're the man. Like you got the title. Like what? I don't get well, it. CJ, I understand this. 
I don't know where Seth Rollins was, but where was child support? Because apparently Dominic's like 13 years old now, even though he's clearly like 22. <laughs> Jared Lillick said he's a teenager. Uh, I'm like, he's 21 years old. I looked it up. I'm like, he's in his 20s. He's old enough to drink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, that's kind of took me out of the moment. But, but the like, but initially I thought that was good. But Seth Rollins has no problem coming down the ring for Hogan to announce that he's the captain of the team Hogan. And to just rush on down there and like, <laughs> yeah, the little kid of me is going to love being the captain of Team Hogan and taking all that blood money pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe he did that. He has a test tomorrow at school. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. You know what? I, I take back everything I said. WWE is fantastic. Oh Where else can God. you get this type of entertainment? I know, I know. Sean actually tri- uh, texted me in the middle of this, just talking about about how awful the Hell in a Cell thing was. So t- Sean is here via text message. Uh, uh, in spirit. In spirit. He is here in spirit. Uh, I, I imagine how he's going to react once he hears all this. <laughs> um, my God. Well, he says here, well, according to WWE, it was a ref stoppage, so nobody won. Yeah, so a, so a no contest, essentially. Right. Um... But yeah, then he come. He's coming out there like that. That just makes Seth Rollins come off as a as a jackass. Like he's already not doing well as a babyface. So why would you? And then Flair picking Orton. Now what Orton said was absolutely great, and they edited that out in their in the video online. Orton comes down. So I'm gonna make this short and sweet here, Seth. You know I'm the captain of. Ch- I'm the captain of Team Flair. You're the captain of Team Hogan. If you can get your ass, your head out of Hogan's ass for just a minute and listen to me, and he's like, "Flair, can I get a woo, woo?" Like, <laughs> just, just Flair getting all bug-eyed and like him near, near climax when Randy Orton starts coming down to the ring. He just starts getting all giddy. That was funny, but. And then Rusev comes down for the save because then Baron Corbin comes out. It's really Rusev and Baron Corbin are now on the respective teams. Um, I don't get why they're doing this match when Survivor Series is the next pay per view. It, it's is real- it though? I thought Crown Jewel was uh, happening August twenty or October twenty something. Isn't Survivor Series happening November twenty something? Well, that's what I mean. Crown Jewel is happening on Halloween, but then the following pay per view is Survivor Series, where you already have that five on five elimination tag team setup. Oh, you mean the first time and the only time that Raw and SmackDown go head to head? That pay per view, the yeah. one and only time all yeah. year. Dude, dude, you gotta stop redlining. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so, it's yes, that one, the only time. I just, <laughs> I just don't understand it. And so, Rey Mysterio leaves and goes to a local medical facility with Dominic and Rusev challenges Rollins says like I helped Seth Rollins now you owe me one I want to match the Universal Championship Charlie Caruso had asked so where's Lana and he's like the issues Lana and I are having we will work them out I'm like issues oh god and then we're getting ready for the main event of Raw we're getting ready for Seth Rollins versus Rusev for the Universal Championship now this is a match that I'm like, okay, I'd be down for this match. I'd be down for this feud. 
kind of sucks because you ever, your main event was going to be Mysterio and Rollins, and having Rey Mysterio on your show could really bring in some new casual, bring back some casual viewers, you know? It is a brand new week in wrestling. Season premiere well, of Raw. I mean, just having a good match and nothing, no shenanigans happening, happening afterwards, you know. Nothing, you know what I mean? I think a great match between Rollins and Mysterio would, and then the Fiend coming out after and attacking Rollins would have been immensely better than what they did here. For those of you listening, please try to keep up with this. Rollins and Rusev have a match. Randy Orton and Baron Corbin come out and snicker and laugh. Then... <laughs> Then we had this white limo. Oh my god, who's in the white limo? Is it Lex Luger? No, this isn't WCW. We, it might as well could be because of how awful this is. It's Bobby Lashley. Where's Bobby Lashley been? Bobby Lashley keeps missing his cue to clearly point Lana out to the ring. Rusev is just standing there. Seth Rollins is on the outside wondering what the hell's going on. Lana comes out. Lana's got jungle fever and proceeds to make out and tongue Bobby Lashley. Rusev is standing there still. They proceed to make out. Rusev is still standing there. Is he confused or is he aroused? We don't know. The camera won't show past his waist. I wonder what the hell just happened. And then the Fiend comes in and attacks Rollins. What the hell did I watch? Well, CJ, you see... Now that's how you make a storyline happen. <laughs> you had to pull your your head away from the mic there. Thank you, Pop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I'll do, my, for you, I'll do mine a little bit. God, that's some good <laughs> shit. Like, that, that has Vince written all over it. It could very well be Heyman, too. It could be, because it could be a very 90s Jerry Springer-type storyline. Now, those storylines can be done executedly well. They can be done well, but not like this. Bobby Lashley comes back after I don't, I don't know how many months. Lana comes out of nowhere. Like, like it, like Rusev and Rollins are standing there confused, and then Randy Orton and Baron Corbin are high-fiving each other, laughing their asses off. <laughs> Wait, which high-five was, like, which hand did he high-five with? The one with the, uh, <laughs> the chocolate juice, or the one without it? Man? I don't think they're actually high-fiving, but but you see my point. Uh. They're 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 laughing at this whole thing, and really that's what that's what I feel like. Corbin and Orton were supposed to be representing Vince or something, just just laughing and be like ha ha ha, try to leave my company, huh? Well, let's cuck you for the next few months, like Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. And even if they, even if they were trying to make this work, are you really gonna? Go on with a feud against Bobby Lashley, a literal walking piece of wood. That's on steroids. <laughs> the eyebrowless, the eyebrowless Bobby Lashley. Ugh, oh my God. Um, yeah, that was that was just bad. That was just so bad. I don't know. And there were probably some good other good stuff that happened on Raw, but I can't remember what happened. Oh uh, well, I'll tell you, CJ. You had Ricochet versus Zara, which was actually. Oh, please give me that for like an hour. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, they also had uh, Heavy Machinery versus I don't care who you know. They had Heavy Machinery versus somebody. That, again, well, that tag match was very wonderful. good. Rude and Ziggler versus Heavy Machinery. That was a good match. Yeah, and Otis is wonderful. Yeah, Otis is one of your guys now. He's one of your favorites. Oh my God, I like, love Otis. He's up there with Goldust. Master just doing the <laughs> caterpillar. 
Oh, I love him. Oh, you know what he goodness. does, though? He reminds me of the older wrestlers. The guy who kind of goes up. I can picture him talking to Mean Gene. You know? He goes up and he's like yelling at the camera, flexing, doing all this Macho Man Randy Savage stuff, and he's just a fat slob. He's just one. I love him. <laughs> He's got that vibe, yeah. He's got like that that cartoony vibe of right? an old of an older wrestler, like a Macho Man. He's got that. Now I like that. I like that a lot. I, and I think Otis, I, they should keep them together for a long time, or forever. If that's the case. I don't know what the hell Tucker will do after if they ever break those two up. But but Otis will go far forever. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, I think moving on from that, we should move on to SmackDown. Let's get to yeah. Nothing else really happened. Bro. Yeah. Let's, let's actually get into like the good stuff that happened in wrestling this week. So, SmackDown happens, and we kick things off with an awesome stage. That... Yeah, uh, you know, I love how they kind of do the homage of the old SmackDown arches mm-hmm. in the front. Oh, that's great. That was also, really don't, you love the, don't you love that time where Taker came out, and then like Sting, and then Stone Cold, they also came out, and they did something crazy? Don't you like how they did that? Well, I don't know what episode of SmackDown you were watching there, pal, but we didn't see Austin Taker or Sting. <gasps> what? I know. Um, so but they advertised them. I know, but cards subject to change. <laughs> um, yeah, so... But but the kickoff to this show was awesome. It was absolutely great. Becky, was Becky Lynch... Well, the real kickoff was Stephanie and Vince coming out and saying, welcome to Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that they kept it at that. Because I was really worried we were going to start off with like a new era of SmackDown and we're going to get a promo from Stephanie and Vince and get yeah. you know new era, same old shit. But credit to them, they just said, welcome to SmackDown. And then they started playing the video package. That video package is a good indication as to, as to who we're going to see on SmackDown coming soon. Yeah, and speaking of the video packages real quick, and just the overall feel of Raw and SmackDown now, God, it's so good to have Pyro back. Oh, that yeah. stage on SmackDown is awesome. The Raw, I don't like the little skater ramp they have going on, but, you know, I like the changes, and I love the fact that they have intro sequences again. I oh, don't yeah. like them necessarily, but the fact that they're even there is just... I know. Um, I know. And, and that's... The nostalgia what... things are tick- tickly right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And I like that about the, the, the last draft they did, from 2016, where like Raw got enemies from uh, from Shinedown, and then SmackDown got that really good. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know the name of the band, but but you know what song I'm talking about? Come on and fight back. Like I like that song. It, oh, okay. It gave the vibes of the show. It gave them two different feels. But then slowly but surely, everything felt the same again. But don't call me Shirley. <laughs> but but here we are. Uh, we have new feels to the shows again. Uh, I'm not crazy about the Raw stage either. It's it's okay. The SmackDown stage, I love. Uh, so Becky Lynch comes down to the ring. She's starting to cut a promo. And the man is here on SmackDown. And Baron Corbin comes down to degrade her, to make fun of her, to say, I'm the one who should be opening this show. I'm the man around here. And you got, if you smell, the Rock comes down and Staples Center just comes unglued. I got actually legitimately excited. I knew The Rock was coming. I didn't know when he was going to show up. I, I figured he'd probably show up here because you got to do something and in ring seven with Rock. And it was really nice to see him back because he we haven't seen Rock in quite some time. I don't remember the last time we saw Rock on uh, on WWE TV. Do you? On TV, I don't know. I know the last time was like what a couple of WrestleManias ago, wasn't it? 
Something like, like that. It's been a while. Yeah, he's been gone for a while, but to see him back, it was really, really fun. It was really cool. You know, Rock doing his usual Rock shtick, and that's always fun. And I loved all the lines they were getting on him. <laughs> they said, like, you're a super tough dude, so whenever people see you, they're going to chant STD, STD, STD. I'm like, <laughs> Rocky at his finest. That's not very PG. Yeah, and Becky's just like, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, that's that's never going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and and we learned that Baron Corbin has very adequate testicles. Yes, adequate. Not as big as Becky Lynch's, though. No. My bars are fucking bigger than yours. <laughs> I'll kick your arse. Okay, we got an F bomb. All right. Oh, Don't... that's what I thought you said shit every once in a while. So I'm sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> sorry, Sean. <laughs> that wasn't very PG of me. Oh, no, no, well, it was not. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> I don't know how to how to censor things out, so that's staying. All right. But yeah, the the segment was great. I mean, Becky being put on par with someone like The Rock is a huge deal. It just makes her feel like a bigger deal as a star. And she even got the it doesn't matter what you think line and the crowd popped huge for it. <laughs> you know, they uh, they hit the people. If people today had lines like that, you know? I know. I know. It's just, But it also goes to show how charismatic someone like The Rock is and it's it's almost as if they just don't build stars like him or Steve Austin anymore. Yeah, you just kind of have to be a guy who likes to wrestle. <laughs> That's kind of my problem with just wrestling in general now, and we'll give to that in AEW and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I know it's it's strange, but um, I, I will say they're doing well with Becky. I think Becky yeah. is one of the few things on the main roster that just just. Just the match she had with Sasha proves, you know, she's still the man, and she's still going to come around and kick your ass, and for a while, I felt like Becky was losing steam with the Lacey Evans feud, and I was worried for her, but she bounced right back, and I'm happy for that. Yeah, after uh, WrestleMania, I thought she was slowly going to just go back down to the mid-card where she was living for the, you know, a couple of years before that. I thought so, and too. I'm so glad that she's still, you know, on top, because she really is just wonderful. She's, she's so good. She's great. She's absolutely incredible. And anybody who hates on Becky Lynch, really, I think I really do believe there are people out there who just love to hate on a wrestler the second they start getting popular. Oh yeah, that once they're popular, they did the same thing to Daniel Bryan. They said did the same thing. Didn't they do that to like? Who am I thinking of? Was it Johnny Gargano? I think Gargano. Yeah, they started turning on Gargano, Gargano. too. <laughs> like, okay, like sure. the, the, the most indie guy, guy ever. Boo! You're too mainstream. The, <laughs> the guy who's putting on the best matches in NXT, and you're gonna start booing him? Get out of here! Come on. But going through the rest of the show, we had a lot of Fox presence for sure. We mm-hmm. had that Fox NFL interviewer who interviewed the new Evan Andrews. Evan Andrews. Now she Aaron. Aaron. Evan or Aaron? That uh, could be both. It's 2019. <laughs> it's Aaron now. Okay, it's, folks. It's Aaron, okay. She looked like she had no clue what was going on with the new day. She looked very confused. And when they were gyrating she was having fun. Oh yeah, they're gyrating. She was all like, Oh yeah, okay, I, I can dig this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but she did look confused at some point, like, um, what's going on here? But she kinda caught on like, Oh, okay, I guess this is what it is. Alright. But uh, it <laughs> I I didn't like how Kofi was treated like you know a mid card 
uh, not mid card. I'm sorry. Uh, he just kind of trained like a like a dumbass. In the sense where he didn't take Brock Lesnar seriously. You almost knew that was going to happen. Almost. Like you almost knew. <laughs> I mean, we we get Brock is dominant, and he's probably he's not going to wrestle a full match on TV. But you don't have to make Kofi look stupid in the process. Yeah, I don't know. Um. I really think that's the main thing to hammer home with. The the eight-man tag was just okay. They're setting up some kind of match between Strowman and... and what's that boxer's name? I don't know. Tight. Oh I have God. no idea. Look, I watch wrestling. I don't watch boxing. Big white guy. Big... <laughs> so, they're clearly doing something there. Um, But I let's just skip to the main event here. Well, so, hold on. We're missing something here. What's up? That Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon match. Oh, right. pretty damn good. I forgot about that. Thank you. That's that's good to have someone else here to remind you of things. Um, yeah, it's yeah. like I watch wrestling all the time, dude. <laughs> Catch up. <laughs> yeah, we all know you don't watch wrestling all the time. That's, <laughs> I said that at the beginning. So, But, yeah, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. This was a feud that, in the beginning, was starting really well. And then it's, when SummerSlam happened, it started becoming... Hot dog poo poo, like it was like the the oh, I'm gonna find you all this money. No, Shane, that's that's a that's a down payment on a house and my college tuition. What the hell is it with WWE making their stone cold esque characters start apologizing and begging for mercy from the authority? If that was stone cold, he'd be like, I don't give a shit. You know, well, if it was stone cold, I don't think they'd be talking about their taxes and mortgages. Very true. You know, like all your fees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't care about your accounting. Like, remember when Stone Cold was was the head of WWF at one point? All right, we're gonna drink all this beer now. If you're still standing, you still got a job. Like, he's st- with my god awful Steve Austin impression. But, <laughs> but, but it was just like that's the kind of shit Steve Austin did. He just didn't care. He's like, you're you're gonna find me. All right, whatever, stunner. There you go. Well, did he not care? Or did he not have a script? Both. Uh. <laughs> but but anyway, yeah, the the match between Shane and Owens was actually a lot of fun. Um, I love the spot where Owens hit a what was it a frog splash and he broke the ladder in half on Shane. That's probably a frog anymore. That's a full grown toad Is it, at that point. That's a big boy doing well, a frog splash on a ladder. Well, they call it a bullfrog splash. I think they what they do because he is. Big. Oh, they do. Yeah, they call oh, it a, okay. a bullfrog, bullfrog, bullfrog splash. Because <laughs> Kevin Owens is, support, is more of the on the bigger Cause side. Because fat shaming. <laughs> Bring back Piggy James. Why not? <laughs> you know, real quickly, what they should call Mickey James's finisher? What? Kicky James. Well, that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. See you next week. <laughs> Kiki James. That'd be funny. <laughs> I can't. I can't take credit for that. I heard that on a, a Going In Raw uh, uh, wrestling podcast. That's that's what they call her finisher. I think that's funny. Yeah, thank you for that. Anyway, I'm glad I heard that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, the match was really well done. You had uh, Shane hit a hail mary diving elbow into the table on Owens. I thought. She- Kevin was going to move for a second, but... They oh. usually do, but they actually went through with that, so I'm really glad they do that. I'm glad, because it's good to see something you don't really expect. Like, you you expect him to move, and he didn't. Like, oh, he didn't? Good. He had the, he actually hit the move. Um, Owens just grabbing Shane after the match, and 
picking him up, saying, Hey, Shane, you're fired! Stunner. Now, here's a question. Is Shane McMahon really gone? Absolutely he's gone for maybe the next two weeks. <laughs> I I really hope so. I, I, I really think because Fox is going to be more sports-based with their TV products with SmackDown, that they wouldn't want someone like Shane McMahon, a 50-year-old sweaty mess, getting wins over Matt, over guys like Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Yeah, and it's it's no disrespect to Shane <laughs> McMahon. I mean, for a 50-year-old guy to do what he does is really nice, but like the booking decisions of him just beating everybody and anybody, that that's the problem we have. So, Shane, we like you, but go away forever. <laughs> we like you, but not that much. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'm glad that this whole Shane McMahon thing could just go to bed. It could just die forever. And it, and if Shane pops up once in a while, that's fine. If, if he's going to take on a backstage role or something, okay, cool. But just, just keep him away from TV forever, please. Just a long, 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 long time. Um, I think yeah. now we should get into the main event. Um, did we really expect anything less from this? Or more, um, or more rather. Well, could you possibly expect anything less? Because that match... Lasted a total of like two seconds. If I mean, you anything if, less than that, that'd be impressive. If you blinked, you missed it. Yeah. I mean, the match rang. Kofi jumped. Brock caught him. F five. One two three. New. You know what's hilarious too? After that, they cut directly to Goldberg. He's just sitting there. It's like, yes, this is how wrestling should be. It's just like a lot. A lot of those names they advertise. They were just sitting in the crowd. <laughs> the only one who did something was Rock. Yeah. I was wondering, like, how are they going to get all these people to do things? I was thinking backstage segments. I was thinking, like, in-ring segments. I'm like, how can you clearly, how can you physically, you know, feasibly use everybody and still and then still use your main roster guys? You can't. And I'm almost glad they did that because, you know, you kind of don't want to see the old guys beat up the new guys because I hate when they do that. So I'm glad that they didn't do that. But still, perhaps, you know, some kind of backstage segment or have The Undertaker come out and, you know, do his entrance once. Who cares? It's The Undertaker, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. know. I don't know. If it's not going to happen, just don't advertise it because a lot of people were watching that, expecting that. My dad hasn't watched wrestling since, like, 2002. And he taped this SmackDown because he thought it was going to be a huge deal. He saw these new guys coming out. You want to make fun of them to see how old they look? And <laughs> happened to didn't show up. Yeah, no. The only one who showed up was Rock. And But to be honest, I think if you're going to go with any of those guys coming back, Rock was the right move. Austin just came back twice this year. Hogan we just saw on Raw. Taker we see a lot. So Yeah, almost too much. Almost too much, but I think the. But you're right; they never should have been advertised in the first place. Rock made sense to advertise to try and entice people to watch. It would have been cooler if he was a surprise, but advertising him—you know—it's the first night on Fox. From from a marketing standpoint, business, it, it makes sense. Well, they did have a celebrity show up that wasn't actually uh, advertised, and that man is Kane Velasquez. Yeah, Kane Velasquez is in the WWE now. Why? I don't know. He uh, <laughs> uh, apparently he's been training to be a pro wrestler for a while. He had a match at a Triple A show. He actually teamed with Cody Rhodes and um, I can't remember the other partner, but but apparently he's been very impressive. I have not yeah. seen anything of Cain Velasquez in pro wrestling. I've seen a few of his fights in MMA. Yeah. 
Um, I think the first time I ever saw Cain Velasquez fight was he just he demolished Bigfoot. That has got the big, Bigfoot UFC fighter. His real, I can't remember. Oh, I thought you were talking about actual Sasquatch. I mean, <laughs> I don't know Bigfoot something. <laughs> I don't know. Like Ed would know. Like MMA fans would know. But the, he beat the guy in like less than like thirty seconds. And I saw a fight with him and Junior Del Santos, and he was dominating on Junior Del Santos. Um, so I've seen. I'm familiar with some of his MMA stuff, but his pro wrestling stuff, as little as it is, I've never seen any of it. That apparently was the reason why the whole Rey Mysterio thing came out. Because Rey came with him with the, the sling in his arm. Hmm. And Kane started laying in shots to him. Brock was just like, whoa! Like, he was shook. He didn't know what to do. Um, but I think Kane in the WWE is interesting. You were a bit of a different opinion. So so the the... the, the before you start, the big report is that apparently they want to do Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Now, you're okay with it being at Crown Jewel, but you're not okay with Cain Velasquez showing up on WWE TV. Now, why is that? Because, I mean, think back when Ronda did it. And don't get me wrong, Ronda had a great run. She was much better than any of us ever expected. But what happened when she came back? She was a champion, and she had the spotlight the entire time she was there. Now, WWE's roster, if you could explain it in one word, you'd probably say bloated. There is a lot of guys on there that are just doing nothing. Where's Aleister Black? Where's, you know, Drew McIntyre? Where's all these other guys? Drew, Drew Mc- have... McIntyre's injured, but continue. But you know what I mean, though. You know, no, I do, I do. Have, yeah, and you're going to have this guy who, granted, he could be, you know, great wrestling. Who, who knows? But he's an older guy, and... He's just coming in, and he's going to have the spotlight right away fighting Brock Lesnar, probably for the WWE Championship. Now, if they were saying that they were going to do that on a main roster show, I'd be really upset because, again, these guys are just trying to do that. And, again, it's kind of similar to the Sasha situation. You're in the locker room. You're working your tail off every day, and this guy just comes in and is just given everything. Like, I, I know it's kind of the way sports goes, and, I, you know, it's not fair. But still, like, you have a roster. You built this roster. Use your roster. Now, if you're going to use them for Crown Jewel, that's fine. It's a glorified house show. Do whatever you want with Crown Jewel. I don't care. But if you're going to go to main shows, you have to use your actual roster that you built. If you don't want to use them, don't sign them. Don't have them just sit home and collect paychecks, even though that would be great. But <laughs> Yeah, for guys like you and me. They do this for a reason. <laughs> They do this for a reason, though. They love wrestling. They're good at it. Just, uh, I, I hate it. I, I know what you mean. There are a lot of guys and girls who are immensely talented who don't get the proper rub. A guy like Aleister Black is a prime example. We have not seen Aleister Black since he beat Sami Zayn on an episode of SmackDown before SummerSlam. We haven't seen him in a, a few months now. There was a rumor going around that Bischoff doesn't want to use Aleister Black on SmackDown because he seems to be too satanic or too demonic, or whatever his character may be, and Fox doesn't really want that. Uh, Which but, is funny because Fox says it wants to be more sports-like, and he's one of the more sporty, quote-unquote, wrestlers they have with all the strikes and stuff he, he uses. It's very true. His character is very good, too. But Aleister Black himself, he debunked that rumor, and he just said, fake. Like, this is fake. He just said on Twitter, it's fake. This isn't true. Yeah, like, okay. the shop's a hot topic, dude. Like, what are you... 
he just likes to he just likes to shove it hot top. He likes to go Spencer's. <laughs> no. He just he just he just likes to wear that black that black craft those black craft t-shirts. <laughs> he likes to get those young buck t-shirts. Oh no, not those t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> Probably has a wall of Funko Pops in his room or something. I don't know. No, no, like me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, and I get it. And, and black is, he's one of my favorite guys. Like when he came in, I'm like, this dude is money. I was not familiar with him in the Indies. I knew he was Tommy end in the Indies, but when he came in, like his work is just incredible and you can put him in the ring with anybody and have a great match with them. So I understand. Yeah. A guy like Alistair black should really be getting a rub on that on a show like that and you told me about him too and as somebody who doesn't really watch wrestling you told me to watch Aleister Black a little bit and I was instantly hooked on this guy and I told you like this is one of the best things coming out of NXT besides besides maybe Ricochet and Velveteen Dream I mean he is just incredible this guy he can do it all he really can and his moveset is so different than a lot of guys we've seen his finisher is so good (laughs) it's one of my the teeth (laughs) <laughs> like some of my favorite finishers are just guys getting kicked in the face. Black's finisher, McIntyre's finisher, uh, just just stuff like that is just really like, like innovative kicks as a finisher is fantastic. Because it looks like it makes an impact and you can do it out of nowhere. That's exactly. one of the great thing about RKO. It's not necessarily like a strike, but it can happen anytime. That's what makes a great finisher, in my opinion. Just exactly spontaneous spontaneity. That's a word. Yeah, we'll make it a word for now. <laughs> but anyway, I think the thing to move on here is with one. Does this does this match need the title, Lesnar and, and Velasquez? No, absolutely not. It does not need the title at all. I get it from a mainstream appeal to a casual fan who may not watch that often and be like, "Ooh, Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar? They're gonna wrestle in WWE? Okay." I'd watch that. Try to bring them the crossover effect of MMA fans, even though a lot of MMA fans really hate Brock Lesnar, <laughs> yeah. and and so do wrestling fans. But they might like Cain Velasquez, and that might want to try to draw him in. I don't know. I, I think if you can keep Velasquez on more of a part-time basis, once in a while, um, I'm wor- I'm really worried what the, if they'll put the. T- I don't think they should put the title on him. I don't. I think they should just some do some screwy finish and just just whatever, just a non-finish, and just forget about all this, because Crown Jewel for me is not canon to the WWE product. It's no just, way. It's just it's just a glorified house show for the Saudis, yes. and they try to make it more mainstream appeal than anything. Because that's all who decided that that area cares about those fans. They care about like the big name stars. You know, I would love to see actual figures of the difference that celebrities and whatnot make to WWE's bottom line. Like, how much money do they actually bring in to the product, as compared to just them putting out a good product without having to worry about celebrities? You're talking you know about I mean? celebrities coming in to WWE. Yeah, just. Either celebrities or just old retired guys, you know, showing up. You know, how much does that really make a difference on viewership, uh, ticket sales, you know, stuff like that? Well, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it made a big deal with with this past Friday on Fox. A lot of people, like you said, your dad tuned in to watch SmackDown because a lot of older guys were supposed to be on this show. 
and ticket sales weren't doing too well, so they announced a lot of these people. Now I don't know if they sold out. Right. But um but for the time being, I mean I think overall with, with the main roster stuff, it was okay. Yeah, it was fine. I mean there was good and bad, you know. There's some good. worse than others. There yeah. was some good better than others. <laughs> there was now we good. can talk about really good stuff. There was good, there was bad, but we're gonna move on from that. We're gonna start talking about the really good stuff that happened this week. NXT oh, and yeah. AEW. The start of the mon I'm sorry, the Wednesday Night Wars. And I gotta say, this was the best stuff I'd seen in a while. NXT was doing some pretty good stuff with the first couple weeks, you know, like the first hour on USA and then the second hour on the network. And the reason why they did that is because Suits on the USA network had to finish up their series. Um, but also to also try and get a, a head start on, on AEW. Wait, so is this not going to be a two-hour show going forward? Or is this kind no, of like a no, one- or two-time thing? No, it is. From now on, it will be... Oh, okay, thank God. Oh, NXT right. will be a two-hour live show weekly, every single Wednesday night. Oh, so, yeah. so, there are a few things here. Um, now, how should we do this? Should we talk about one... Ver- we should kind of like do bits and pieces, kind of work from the beginning of both, and kind of work our way through the rest of the show. Um, Sounds good to me. We'll start with it. We'll start with uh, NXT here. Matt Riddle and Adam Cole, Bebe, having oh. a blowout match. Oh I, my god! Now I remember you had watched NXT. You you taped it and you watched it. I had watched it on the network uh, on Saturday morning, and Mauro Ronaldo saying that this match will have limited commercial interruptions. The first, like the first, like half hour, he said. No, he's not limited. No commercial interruptions in this match. I'm like, now that's a real good way to try to entice people to watch NXT over AEW, putting the NXT Championship match first. Oh yeah, and, and this might spoil my thoughts later on, but this one match just outdid everything that happened this entire week. It was unbelievable. That was match. your favorite scene this whole week. Was this whole week riddle, that was riddle my favorite match? That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. On TV. On free TV. I know. Best match of the whole week and it was on free TV. That's what something I don't understand is that you have NXT which is under the WWE umbrella. You have a proven product that can be great every single week and we got what we got on Raw and we got what we got on SmackDown. We got what we got at Hell in a Cell. Like Hell in a Cell was the big stamping point of WWE going, okay, we're going to prove that we are the best, and we're going to stay the best, and the AEW does not compare to us, and you give us what you gave us at the end of the night. We talked about that enough to death, but man, Matt Riddle and Adam Cole. Like, Adam Cole is just, he's been one of my favorite guys for a long time now. I've been watching him since Ring of Honor. I've been watching him since he was in Ring of Honor, and when he joined Bullet Club, and he's with the Elite. Like, he was just doing really great work. He got to he he eventually gets to NXT and it was one of the most anticipated debuts of a wrestler in NXT. We all knew he was coming. We knew his contract with Ring of Honor was done. We knew he was done. He had to become an NXT. He came to Brooklyn the NXT takeover Brooklyn 3. The undisputed era formed that night. And they shocked the system. They've been taking and they've been taking names ever since. The prophecy has been fulfilled, where they all have championships. Cole, Strong, Kyle Riley, and Fish all hold the gold in NXT. 
And this match just proves that Riddle and Cole are two of the death best damn wrestlers in the world. I mean, especially Matt Riddle. That dude, oh my god. He's something else. He's something different, you know? I mean, to be able to kick off both flip-flops at the same time is incredible. I wish I could do that. (laughs) I'm like a normal human being. It's horrible. (laughs) I mean, that's not even about the match. (laughs) But but Matt Matt Riddle he he's just got a charisma about him. He's just like he just looks like a cool dude. He looks like a guy you want to hang out with. Looks like a bro, bro. He's he's a, he's a cool bro, bro. Looks like uh, a Chad actually. Not for nothing. <laughs> like it looks a, like he went to the Area Fifty One raid. Class <laughs> alien peaks, you know. I mean, he is. I mean, he look. He's a California guy from what I from what I get. Yeah, but. Matt Riddle, uh, just he's been again. He's one of those guys who's come through NXT who just feels different. He's really good. Um, I'm a little disappointed that him and Black never really got to t- uh, got to square off a little uh, too much, but I feel like Matt Riddle is going to go to SmackDown at some point, sometime sooner. Uh, I gather. I don't know, but what these two do, and uh, it's kind of a problem that I have with AEW that. Th- these guys don't have everything they do looks so fluid and so smooth and everything looks like it hurts and everything looks like it happens in the moment whereas with other matches when you have these big spots they kind of look like they're kind of you know groggy standing around waiting for the next move to happen they just make everything tie together so well and i think that's what impresses me so much about not only these guys but nxt in general they're really good at doing that. They, you don't really see, mm-hmm. you know, spot fest. You don't really see guys standing around waiting for another move to happen. It just happens when it happens. And that's something that's been done really well with NXT. Everything looks real. Everything looks crisp. Nothing looks out of place. And that's what happened in this match. And even though I knew the finish, I was still shocked by a lot of different things. I'm just like, oh my god. Um, you know, that when, when a match is that good, when I am in dis- total disbelief and I know who won, I know what I know what like I'm well I may not know the finish and how what the move last move was but I know who won and I'm in like oh my god Riddle might win I'm like that's how good this match was I knew Riddle lost but it made me believe that he could actually win So what do you think match be a candidate Definitely in the top 10 when when Sean and I or well when Sean and I get back together uh we'll we we'll have to make a new list, and that's definitely got to be in there. It's going to be hard going uh, uh going for the rest of the year, seeing what else is going to happen, bumping some of those old matches out and putting new ones in. Yeah, imagine a lot of them are going to be from the NXT and AEW because they just kill it every time. I mean, a lot oh, of them yeah. and AEW too. Uh, yeah. But but let's go on to uh, AEW. Uh, you had the first match was Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, in my opinion, I think it was probably the best match of the night in AEW. Probably. I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the card. I can't really think of anything else that was technically better. Riho and Nyla Rose was probably second. There was a few mistakes, a couple botches, but they kept going, and they didn't try to redo a spot. They just kept going. So, But but for me, I, I thought Rose and Guevara probably had the best match. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you with that Nyla Rose-Rio uh, match, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good. But I I do th- I'm I'm one of those people who think Cody's kind of overrated. You know, it's, I'm just not big on Cody. Uh, Sammy Guevara, I never heard of this guy. I mean, AEW in general, I'm not gonna hear, I'm not gonna know most of these people because I just don't pay attention to New Japan Ring of Honor stuff like that. So this is kind of new to me. Um, 
I like what I see, saw, kind of, but, you know, it was nothing that crazy. So the match was fine to me. Uh, it, it just nothing that really stood out that much, in my opinion. All right. I, I know how you are with Cody, but um, in the past number of years, he's just... I feel like he's gotten better. He's been able to really... Like, he really knows how to work a crowd. He He's got that down. Oh, that absolutely. He's a great storyteller. He's, and that's a great thing Cody does, I think, in his matches. That he's a really great storyteller. He may not be on the level of a, of a Kenny Omega or an AJ Styles, but he can really bring a great story to a match. And that's something that, again, if you can do that, that's almost just as good as being a high-caliber worker like that. And not to say that he's not a high-caliber worker. He's, it's just a different class. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Um, I like that they had a video package before this match started. Getting you invested, you know? It's not just like, here's a match, you know? They actually played something for you to, to get the backstory of, of Sammy Guevara and, and to learn a little bit about Cody and what's going on in his mind because he's got a championship match against Chris Jericho at full gear, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, if they if they kind of just came out with the match, I think that would have been fine too. But it, it, it's weird because it is the first show, so we have to give them a lot of like leeway. Mm-hmm. So you know, some things that might have not seemed too great could change next week. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think they open up the show really nice. I, I do think that they need their pyro game to be stepped up a little bit. <laughs> it looked like someone just was standing there with a Roman candle, just kind of. Waiting for the fireworks system. I wouldn't say that. I mean, the fire was, fire was good. I like yeah. that. I like. I like that intro a lot, though. I loved the intro. The intro is great. Um, yeah, I think so it's better than anything we're on SmackDown did. As oh, far for as sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you had the match. Cody wins. Sammy Guevara reaches for his hand, but then Chris Jericho comes out and attacks him. Sammy's like, oh, "I'm gonna just gonna get out of here." I really liked how they try they how they entice you to stick around when the commercials doing. They're doing the picture in picture, and Jericho's still doing the beat down. So it's just like, "Oh, you want to flip over to, to NXT? No, look what's going on over here. Jericho's still beating up Cody. You're gonna want to see this." And that was very smart on AEW's part. Smart. And it was smart to open up the show with a really familiar face. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are gonna, you know, remember Cody. But even the more casual fans, everyone knows Chris Jericho. So to open up with him just showing up is like, oh, okay, I know this guy. Let me keep watching. It was, yes, that was very smart. That was very, very smart. It, it didn't lead you waiting for just... Because you knew Jericho was going to be the main event, but it it made you stick around and be like, oh, i got to wait all night just to see Jericho. And then Jericho's right there. So that's very smart on their part. Um, and really quick, but both shows did really well. I don't know why Raw and SmackDown don't do this. All the commercials, whenever something happened, was picture in picture. There was the match going on the side, and then the commercial was happening uh, on you know in the middle of your screen. But you can still watch the match. Why yeah. doesn't that happen everywhere? Both AEW and NXT did that. Well, AEW and NXT were doing that because they don't want you to go flipped over to the other channel. SmackDown and Raw, there is no other channel going on Mondays and Fridays for you to flip over. But still, Vince said himself that he didn't want you know. He, remember when they were. Uh, scheduling all these two out of three falls matches because they didn't want matches to go on during commercials. Why couldn't they? I, I wonder if it's like a contractual thing that they can't do it. But I wonder too. Yeah, but but so SmackDown, cool. but SmackDown did do that in the beginning when they when they separated the brands again. SmackDown was doing picture and picture stuff. Oh, were they? Okay, I didn't know. And, and they've done it once. For, I don't know why they stopped doing it, but once in a while they, they would do it. And but that's a good point. 
he he, and I don't get how the whole two out of th- the two out of three falls thing was just awful. It like Gargano and Gargano and Cole had this amazing two out of three falls match in NXT Takeover New York, and then the the main roster is just making a mockery of what was a great match. But again, another thing, another time. Um, yeah. But smart on AEW's part, do picture in picture, and smart on NXT's part to not play any commercials, and AEW to have the picture in picture. That was really smart of them. Um, commentary. I mean, that was really great. It was really great to hear Jim Ross. Uh, it was great to hear Tony Schiavone. Uh, he sounded like he didn't miss a beat. Yeah, the commentary on both sides is very solid. I because I remember the one time I watched AEW. I forget who it was, but I was like, I don't. I'm not sure about this guy. Again, I forget which uh, person it was, but I didn't like one of them. And this show, I didn't notice any you know, bad things about the commentary team. I think they all just did really well. So well, I'm really glad to see that they improved or maybe did something different. I don't know. At Double or Nothing, I know they had Jim Ross, Alex Marvez, who is a uh, football broadcaster, I think, for SiriusXM, and then you have Excalibur, the guy in the mask. Now, Excalibur, he's been doing commentary for PWG for years and years and years. So he's a pro. Um, mm. And the other guy at Fighter Fest, I don't remember his name. I don't remember who he was. He eventually did commentary, I think, at All Out as well. But I think this is the right thing here. You've got, for casual viewers and old fans, you got two familiar faces like Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. And then you got Excalibur, who they may not know, but they will love immediately because, again, the guy is a total pro. Um, now, if Jim Ross leaves, because he is getting up there in age, If he, whenever he leaves, who would um, take over like the play-by-play commentary? Would it be I, one of those guys, or would it have to be someone else? I would say it's either Shivani or Excalibur. Because I wouldn't mind hearing just those two. I mean, Jim Ross is great, but even if it was just those two, they still did really well. I think so, too. I, I think if whenever Jim Ross decides to retire or step down or whatever, I think having Shivani and Excalibur is just is perfectly fine. Those two are excellent together. All three of them just gelled really well, and you could see how happy Shivani was to be back in involved in pro wrestling again. Like you know, he gave Ross a hug and shook Excalibur's hand. He was just and he was just having fun, and that's something really positive to see in wrestling. Because sometimes you look at commentary and you just feel like, oh god, doing this again. You know, they just look. Boring. You're gonna see that on Wednesday nights now because the competition is gonna make everything better. It's gonna make everyone have just more fun with it. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think whatever happened next in uh, AEW, but while I think of that, uh, I guess... I can jump... tell you right now. What happened? Uh, MJF defeated Brandon Cutler. That is right. MJF... And MJF is M... the best thing in AEW. He's the best thing... Oh, my God. He's one of the best things in wrestling right now. He's the best heel in wrestling. He's wonderful. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know if you saw, but on, on Twitter, Pro Wrestling Tees, and on Being the Elite Today, they put up, he put out a scarf that says, uh, I can't afford a real scarf, so I got this. I think it says. <laughs> and, MJ, and Maxwell Jacob Friedman. It's like, and on being the elite, he goes up to the Young Bucks. When, when, when WWE put out those awful NXT shirts, uh, the Young Bucks made fun of it, and Nick Jackson said, like, this, this shirt's going to be a bestseller. Look at it. It's just this, it's this really awful blue t-shirt design. It's very basic. And he's just like, and Matt and Nick are going. He goes up to Matt and Nick. It's just like, look, want to come up to you guys really quickly. I have this idea. 
A lot of poor people, poor fat people, can't afford nice Burberry scarves. So I came up with this, and then Nick Jackson just gets in his face, just like, "I'm so pissed off right now." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, Nick, take it easy. I'm so pissed off. I didn't think about this first. This is brilliant. Like, yeah, you like it." And then, and then, and then, Matt, Matt is just like Matt. Like you could tell he hates the shirt his brother made, and he's like, "What? He thinks this is a good idea?" And then it cuts over to Pro Wrestling Tees, and it's one of the top sellers on their website scarf oh my god it is and so is that young and it's great (laughs) (laughs) but yeah mjf um it was weird that he kind of like beat brandon cutler with the arm bar uh i I think maybe he may have tweaked his knee but i don't know if that was a work or not because commentary like sold immediately on like the knee so it could have been a work well what's his usual finisher because i i didn't I don't know too much about uh, MJF's finishes and stuff like that. I really don't never. either, to be honest. Uh, I guess I know he calls, hearing his interview with Jericho, he had an arm bar, that, and he calls it the salt, salt of the earth. Um, okay. So that is one of his finishers. But, um, and he, after the match, he's just like, I am the future future of AEW. Um, MJF is for sure going to be the top guy in AEW one day. Absolutely, I, I can't wait. He's so good. I know. If you can just talk for the entire two hours, I'll be fine with it. <laughs> um, uh, NXT at one point, I know they had uh, Johnny Gargano face uh, Shane Thorne. That was really good. Better than that I was ex- before. Uh, that was a little at, after. Um, after the colon riddle, you had Velveteen Dream come out. The promo we cut. <laughs> I love Velveteen Dream so much. Best thing. He, I mean, the promo wasn't whatever, but I just wanted to mention him because he's great. The, the dream. <laughs> the dream is okay with taking on more more than one man at a time. <laughs> I love it. He's so great. <laughs> you love it. I love it. <laughs> After that, they had Io Shirai and Mia Kim, and did they change Io yeah. Shirai's entrance or something like that? Because that Mia, was really cool with the strobes uh, and everything. It's Mia Yim, but um, but yes, Io Shirai turned heel. Io Shirai oh, yeah, turned. Yeah, okay. she turned heel on Candice LeRae. She lost to Shayna Baszler in a steel cage match for the women's championship. The uh, horsewomen were trying to get involved, and Candice got involved on Io's behalf. So what they did was, uh, like Shayna, like just plopped out of the stage, from, uh, the the cage from the door, and uh, Io Shirai was so pissed off that she took it on Candice LeRae. She changed her look. She changed her in-ring style. Like she's just become a total badass, and I'm glad that there's another badass heel woman on the roster, other than just Shayna Baszler, because we need diversity in the in the roster, and we got that with uh, Io Shirai, and I felt like her getting the victory here was the right move, because and that works. That title has got to come on Io Shirai. It has to. Uh, heel versus heel, though? I don't know about heel versus heel, but right now I just, I don't see, the only baby face who I saw who could have taken the title off of Shayna was maybe Candice. Well, that didn't work out well. It didn't. Um, <laughs> I think maybe Rhea Ripley could be a good one. She could hold on to the title for a little bit and then drop it to Io Shirai because what I see happening is I see Io Shirai becoming champion and then Candice taking it off of her. Hmm. Doing a long-term storytelling there, you know? Is, is Rhea Ripley the one with the long hair? The whip hair thing? That is Bianca Belair. Oh. Rhea Ripley... Bianca Belair, okay, okay, okay. Rhea Ripley is an Aussie girl. Um, I don't believe she was on uh, this episode. 
I'm not sure. I, I don't remember seeing anyone by that name, no. I, I saw the, uh... I already forgot her name. Shh. Damn it. Bianca, Bianca Belair. <laughs> Bianca Belair, thank you. Okay. Uh, I saw her. Um, Which I love her, using that hair and everything. Yeah, uh, Bianca Belair's great. In her face there back when uh, they were facing, but, you know, I guess it wasn't in the cards. Rhea Ripley was the first NXT uh, UK Women's Champion. Uh, you can look her up in a little bit. Um, okay. What else happened with uh, AEW? I believe... Uh, it was... Jay and Silent Bob had a promo, which was weird. I didn't really like that promo at all. They kind of came up to... Chris Van Vliet. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of really cringy. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, that was a WCW move there. Or just, yeah. just, just a mainstream uh, promotion yeah, move. They promoted they had SCU come out, though, after that, which was bad. Yeah, SCU had a, uh, had a promo segment not too far from the White House, and... Uh, Scorpio Sky does a good Barack Obama impression. They got Barack Obama himself. <laughs> if only they can ask what Obama's last name is. What? You never heard that meme? I've heard that meme. What's Obama's last name? But I can't believe you just exactly. asked that. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm just surprised that Christopher Daniels was wearing goggles. I mean, he looked like he was wearing goggles. His glasses. I don't know, that the, kind of to me. Those are goggle sunglasses. I don't know why he wears them, but he just wears them. He's, he's Christopher Daniels. He can do whatever the hell he wants, man. He's a funny guy. He looks like Johnny Sins. I mean, he's everything. <laughs> CD can do no wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love I love SCU. I mean, really, Scorpio Sky, Sky said in an interview and talked to Jericho that, like, all he has to do is say, this is the worst town I've ever been in, and then Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky just go off, and they just, I'm sorry, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels just go off and start running down the town, because that's where the, the, I don't know if you've ever seen those, those being the elite SCU bits. No. Just go on YouTube, not right now, but when we're done, go on YouTube, look up a bunch of them, you're going to piss your pants laughing. They're so funny. All they do is just, they say, this is the worst time I've ever been in. They run down the town and they say, "I can't wait to get back to Southern California." SCU, SCU, like it's <laughs> it's just so. F- I love those guys so much. Uh, but yeah, they had their little their cool little segment, the uh, pre-taped one, and then they came out and they announced that it would be Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian entering the tag team uh, tournament, which I love. I love Kazarian and Daniels as a tag team. I got to see them wrestle in Ring of Honor at Final Battle 2017 with Sean, and, and we saw them. They actually faced uh, uh, the Viking, don't mention the War Experience Raiders. <laughs> you mean the Viking Experience? Okay. The War... The, the war, Viking... Ex- no, no, the, no. The Viking, the, Vi- <laughs> the Viking Raiders. They were War Machine <laughs> at the time. I think my favorite... My favorite version of their name is War Raiders. At first, I didn't like War Raiders, but War Raiders eventually grew on me. But anyway, they faced War Raiders at an ROH show, and it was really good. So I'm glad that Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are going to be in the tournament. And then who comes but Pentagon Jr. and, and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers, come in. Lucha, Lucha. Oh, wrong, not wrong not those Luchas. <laughs> uh, they come in, and they pretty much say that we... We're the best team, tag team, in the universe. And Pentagon Jr. just goes, this little thing, Cero! Cero! And then just shoves it in, I think it was Frank Kardarian's face, and then they just start brawling. So right there, it looks like they're going to be setting, that, like that's going to be the finals. Because Lucha Bros are in the first round bracket. Uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio, uh, 
damn it, Frank Casario and Christopher Daniels are in the are in the opposite bracket. So, do you think that's what they're gonna do, or do you think it's kind of like a bait and switch type of thing? What do you think they're gonna do? I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't really know much about the whole uh, tag team uh, the bracket. I mean, I'm assuming it's all gonna come up to the first tag team champions. I would assume, right? Yes. Yeah, so this is what the tournament is. The tournament is. Uh, there's the Young Bucks, and they'll be facing the Private Party this coming Wednesday in Boston. Um, Lucha, the Lucha Brothers will be facing Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I also, uh, I know who. You don't know Luchasaurus? No. All right, pal. You you really should have came prepared here. <laughs> you are go- you are going to love Luchasaurus. This is wonderful. You're going to. <laughs> You're gonna love Luchasaurus. <laughs> All right, I want you to quickly, please look, look up, just look up some pictures of Luchasaurus. I'll talk for a little bit. Just look up Luchasaurus. You're gonna love him. So, yeah, you have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, Dre, Phoenix. You also have uh, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta, the best friends, uh, taking on SCU, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and then the Dark Order have a first uh, first round bye in the tournament. Uh, I think all of this is going to culminate within a few weeks and to crown the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions. Um, I would love to see Lucha Brothers and SCU uh, in the finals. We've seen them once, but we haven't seen Kazarian and Daniels face Sky, uh, excuse me, Pentagon Jr. and Frey Phoenix. Um, have you seen Well, the Young Bucks aren't a part of this. Uh, no, they, no, they are. They're facing Private oh, Party. They They're facing Private Party. Oh, okay, okay. Five. Yeah, you know what? It's probably a good idea to have SCU and uh, Lucha Bros, honestly. I mean, C- Cody, he's not involved in the title picture, right? It's Kenny Omega, correct? No, Cody's facing Jericho at full gear. Oh, it is Cody. Okay, yeah. So one's already in the title picture. It'd be nice to have the guys who don't run the company not be a part of the title picture. So I think that Young Buck should probably lose and have someone else do it. Yeah, I also think with what happened in the main event, we probably won't get the Young Bucks winning. Also, I don't want the Young Bucks to win because it just gives a bad image. I get that they're like... They're, I mean, in my opinion, they're the best tag team in the world. And sure, you'd want them to be... The, but they'll be champions at some point. They don't need to be the first. Um, yeah, I mean, checking, I really wouldn't mind either way, but, you know, yeah, I can, I can totally see why people wouldn't want to see them uh, champ. I think that you have a lot of great tag teams, and if the Young Bucks really want to make uh, the tag team division a really important focal point of AEW... Then they're gonna. Then they have. Then they obviously realize this. Obviously, can't just be all about us. We are just one piece of the puzzle to this division, and the rest of these teams are going to make a difference. Um, with what happened in the main event, I can easily see Santana and Ortiz uh, getting involved and costing the Young Bucks the, the the match on Wednesday. Yeah, that'd be good. But I mean, either, as long as they're not, you know, in the finals, we're fine. I think so, um, but yeah, I. By the way, Luchasaurus looks hysterical. <laughs> just look look up some of his stuff later on. Uh, once we're done here, and you're gonna love him. I swear, he's gonna be your new favorite. You know what he looks like he looks like the fish guy from Hellboy. Um, I, I don't, don't know why he reminds me. Of that. Just... I I don't really get that, but but okay. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Anyway, moving on. Um, but yeah, uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy have been a really big fan favorite. Uh, you got those two together, and then you have Marco Stunt. Now, Marco Stunt is just—he's a—he's t- just a taller midget, taller little person. Yeah. Um, 
he moves really fast in the ring, so I, they've just kind of just formed this group. So they, they when they come down to the ring, you know, a boy, a boy, and his dinosaur. Uh, so <laughs> Margot Stone, Jungle Boy, and uh, Luchasaurus. I mean, he does, Luchasaurus does some things that you really wouldn't expect. Uh, I'm not saying he's doing any crazy, like, flips or anything. Actually, maybe he does one. I, I don't remember, man. I'm, it's it's like 9 o'clock, and I'm already tired. <laughs> but, At this point, wrestling can't really uh, surprise me anymore. I mean, when no, you see no. the guy from, I forget his name, Eric or Ivar, whatever one he is, the fat one, doing flips. <laughs> I, I mean, think, nothing surprises me anymore. I know. Uh, I think that's... Uh, Oh man, I just, I still call them Hanson and Rowe. I can't call them Eric and Ivar. They're still Hanson and Rowe to me. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, the tag team tournament. I think I'm excited because I like watching tournaments. I really do. Um, when they're like this, yes, when they're like this, it's easier to watch. Not to say that I don't like like let's say that I didn't like anything like uh, like the cruiserweight championship tournament back a few years ago or the Mae Young Classic, but that's a lot of matches to try and watch, and I don't have a whole lot of time in my day to sit down and watch all these matches, you know? I like more condensed tournaments like this, you know, it's going to be happening weekly. There's only going to be, there's only so many tag teams in, the, in this thing, and it will culminate within a few weeks. So, I am excited about that. We did get a look of what the AEW Tag Team Championships look like now. AEW posted on their Twitter page, and Jay and Silent Bob and Chris Jericho, they all revealed it on social media. So, uh, And the titles look nice. They look very, very nice. Um, if I had to pick a tag team right now who I think will be the first AEW Tag Team Champions, I'm going to go with the Lucha Bros. Yeah, I'm just really glad that NXT and AEW takes their tag team seriously because on the main roster at WWE, it seems like if you're in a tag team, you're kind of just being held back. Like every yeah. time, like every time you see a tag team, it's always like, oh, when are they going to eventually split apart and become singles competitors? No, tag teams are—they have a place and they're really important to wrestling. I mean, they—you can do so much creative things with tag teams, and I'm just really glad that they actually know that. And you know, WWE still trying to play catch up with that. I know. I mean, you know who the, the current SmackDown Tag Team Champions are? No, <laughs> I really don't. Well, you're not gonna. You're you're gonna be like. Oh, really? Or, oh, yeah, it's the Revival. Who are they? <laughs> exactly my point, man. I oh, know. those are the guys that shaved each other's back. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I forgot they were the tag team champions. One of the best tag teams in the world, for sure. Yeah. And I forgot they were the tag team champions on SmackDown. I just... Yeah, I mean, they're stubby little legs. Yeah, I know. With the Uzi, with the freaking Uzi hot. That that was one of my worst <laughs> segments of this year. Uh, anyway, but but back annoying. to AEW. Um, I, I've I'm gonna pick the Lucha Brothers to uh, take the tag team champ, tempting, uh, championships. Who, if you had to, oh, pick... yeah, I disagree with you. I'm picking SCU. Okay, good for you, pal. We're, we're disagreeing today. Let's go. Good. Do you really? Do you really? <laughs> do you really pick SC? Do you really think SCU win though? Like, no, I think so. I think that's pretty. Uh, actually, hmm. Maybe not because the current AEW champ is a heel. Mm-hmm. The current women's champ is a face. I guess I could go either way. You know, no, I, I'm, I'm sticking mean, to SCU. I'm sticking to SCU. Okay. Well, SCU and Lucha Brothers—they're neither heel or face. They're kind of like in the middle. But both, well, like people love both teams. Okay. And plus, uh, you know, Christopher Daniels—I don't know how old Lucha Brothers are, but Christopher Daniels, I know, was kind of up there in age, right? He's been around for a long time. Him and Jericho have been wrestling almost exactly the same amount of years. Yeah, so I'd say put, go SCU now because, you know, I'd just rather get the old guys their titles now and have the younger guys take it later. I mean, 
Yeah. I, I would still want to see Christopher Daniels in the uh, singles action, too. I'd love to see him square up with Jericho. Or, uh, you know, or, or Kenny Omega, you know? Yeah, they could do a bunch of I mean, do they have enough uh, tag teams to split up people and still sustain, you know, the whole division? Um, I mean, with SCU, you can still keep them as a unit because there are three guys. Like, if Kazarian and Scorpio Sky are going to do the tag team thing, you can have Daniels go off and go the singles route and go after the world championship. Oh, yeah, you I can guess you can do the Undisputed Era faction type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it could you could do that. So, moving on. Um, with NXT, I think we should just try and hit more of the major things that happened because we have been on here for a while. So let's um, for NXT yeah. for NXT. Oh, we all let's um, finish up with NXT with. Ugh, I cannot talk to my people. Um, <laughs> we got the women's championship match. We can the talk women's about. championship match, um, and then we'll talk about the two returns right after because we failed to mention about Finn Balor coming back after the. Oh my god! I completely forgot about I that. I know we forgot, but we'll, the match was so good. I forgot about Finn. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about Finn coming back in a second. Let's talk about Candice okay. and Shayna Baszler. Uh, so, I think what if what's that? What a shame! What about? I was Sh- hoping that Shayna Baszler was gonna drop it. Yeah, finally. I know, but. In a way, they didn't really put all their eggs in one basket, so to speak. They kind of kept you hanging on. They enticed you. But, again, it, it makes you want to see Shayna drop that title even more. Yeah, and you know what? I think this thing's going to go on for a little while. Because, like I said earlier, I think it is going to happen, the four horsewomen match that we were all waiting for. So, I think they're going to keep it on her until she's ready to move up. I think she's so, been ready. Probably. My theory has always been that they've been wanting Duke and Shafir to be... to catch up to Shayna because they haven't really had the experience that Shayna has. Shayna's been in these high-profile NXT matches, and she's been in there with really great workers like 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 Kyrie Sane and Candice LeRae and, uh, and Bianca Belair. Uh, she's been in the ring with, uh, you know, with Ember Moon. Uh, she's done a really great job. I think that I still would love, I would have loved to see Candice win. Out of all the matches, I thought Candice LeRae winning was probably the Shayna losing her the title to Candice was probably the most likely. I didn't see Street Profits winning the NXT Tag Titles back. I didn't see Cole dropping the title to Riddle. Candice was the one I felt it was going to happen. And another one where I thought this was so good that I knew she lost. I was like, oh come on, Candice! Like that's just how good this match was, and she is like a true baby face. She's really someone you can get behind. She's sympathetic. She's not like a cookie cutter baby face. You're like, oh, boo, this sucks. She's really someone you can relate to and just get behind, you know? Like a Gargano, like uh, uh, Sami Zayn when he was in NXT as a baby face, like, like, um, like Bailey when she was in NXT as a baby face, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, she'll get her time in the sun. I mean, it's only a matter of time. It's just, you know, I wish that time was now. <laughs> I know, me too, man. I- I've been a fan of Candice LeRae forever. I love, love Candice LeRae. But she got a big profile match. She had a, women- a high profile match on TV, on debut TV, of the first two hour episode of NXT in this new era of wrestling. And it's, it's, uh, she and she killed it. She absolutely killed it. 
So if you weren't familiar with Candice LeRae before and you're just, just kind of discovering her now and what she can do, I think she's done a good job of making you as a fan of her. I think that's she's really done that really well. Um, yeah, I think I've seen her in the Royal Rumble, but nothing else, really. Uh, the takeover match she had with Io Shirai uh, at Toronto. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. That was fantastic, too. Right. Um, so let's try and wrap up whatever happened at NXT, and then we'll wrap up what happened at AEW and give okay. our final analysis. So Finn Balor showed up after the match with Colin Riddle. He got I'm so happy for him. I know. I he's gonna do something finally. <laughs> he he, you could see the expression on his face. How happy he looked to be back in uh, a full sale. He, I mean, he got married. He got he got a tattoo in his hand. He's got another tattoo somewhere matching with his wife. Uh, he shaved his head. He just looks still looks like the coolest guy in the room. Walking in, grabs the mic, says Finn Balor is now. NXT and just telling Cole he wants that title so you've set up a potential feud between Finn Balor and Adam Cole two former Bullet Club guys going at it all the all the marks will love that the hot, the big sweaty marks <laughs> oh too sweet bro ones <laughs> with the scarves <laughs> so so yeah um, uh, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think Balor and Cole have ever had a match together. I don't think they have. Um, I think it was probably before. I'm not whole, aware of any, yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, as Prince Devitt, I don't think Finn Balor ever had a match with Adam Cole, to my knowledge. I'd have to look that up. But, um, you, you've potentially set up a feud between Finn Balor and, uh, Adam Cole. Meltzer was saying that Balor's pay is probably going to be significantly less. Because Which is he, ridiculous. I mean, he's gonna say miss out on uh, like big paydays like WrestleMania and SummerSlam, the Rumble, and you know the house show loops and all that. And the merchandise is probably gonna be different because that's just because that's just how NXT operates. But that can all change depending how well NXT does in the future. Yeah, it's on TV now. They're gonna make a mint. I guarantee you. Yeah. I mean, this this rivalry is gonna it's gonna be must watch TV every every week. Finn Balor may take a bit of of, of a downgrade in pay, but. He's still for sure going to be one of the most, the highest paid, if not the most highest paid guy in the show, because he has the main roster appeal. Because I guarantee you, there are people who know who Finn Balor is, who's a fan of him, but didn't watch him in NXT. Yeah, and he's only going to help them out. I mean, yeah, NXT was doing fine before, but the more star power, the better. I mean, again, you're going up against AEW now. You got to pull all the stops. I know they and said they're going to. There is really going to be a big, uh, big title, uh, the tide shifter. I mean, I know they said they're going to try and get some like main roster guys in there and have them in NXT for a while, but I would just—I'm just so glad he's back in NXT. If he could just—I yeah, thought Kevin Owens was going to lose Friday, though. That's why I thought he was going to lose because I heard rumors that he was going to go back too. Yeah, I—I I heard about that too, but um, but who's to say he can't do that in the future? Yeah, that's true. Uh, because there are rumors about him joining the Undisputed Era. Which that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see Sami Zayn back. What's that? I said, hell, I'd love to see uh, Sami Zayn go back to NXT. Yeah, I don't like him as no. Nakamura's manager. He shouldn't. Yeah. He shouldn't be managing somebody. He should be wrestling. Right. Um. So, Finn Balor came back. End of the night, we had Street Profits versus Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, uh, defending the tag team championships. Uh, 
Street Profits had Wale come down to them and say, we want the smoke. <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious. Couldn't um, get that out of my head all night. And and Marlon Ronaldo just saying, Fish and O'Reilly have made the NX, NXT universe a smoke-free zone. He's such a dork. I love him. <laughs> Morrow's great. Morrow's so great. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. <laughs> Mamma mia. <laughs> you know, he doesn't say that as often as he used to. Yeah, it's probably people, people probably making fun of him. He's probably just that's like... That's all they can. Yeah, that's what, yeah that, <laughs> and, that and Yowie Wowie. Instead of holy shit, it's now Mamma mia. Holy shit, Mamma mia, Yowie Wowie. Those are the three chants now when something's <laughs> awesome. Um, so... They win the uh, they win the match under Street Era with the help of Roderick Strong. And what do you know? Another great match. Another great tag match. Um, they're all celebrating the ring. Fish O'Reilly and Strong. And then Cole is up in the ramp and he's celebrating at the top of the stage with the championship. They get the under Street Era sign and then whose music do you hear? The heartbeat. Beep beep. Survive. Champa comes back oh and the boy. crowd goes ballistic. I mean, I was going crazy. I'm like, yes, Champa's back. He just walks up menacingly, slowly, stares at the NXT Championship, sees Adam Cole holding it, just stares at it, and right as the show's about to end, he just glares and stares at Adam Cole. So you've now set up two potential feuds between Finn Balor and Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole. And it definitely hooks you to want to see what happens next uh, following the next week of uh, NXT. And he looks great, too. I mean, he always he's always you know in shape, but he looked especially just jacked as good. He... You know he wanted to come back. Oh, yeah. He was just gutted that he couldn't be a part of that main event. And... As fans, we were all gutted too because we really wanted to see the end of that that of that story between Gargano and Champa. And I think we can, but it won't be as satisfying because especially when Champa came out and he, and, he, and he embraced Gargano and Candice after Gargano won the title, that was the end of the story. But it's just this this like three year long built story between Champa and Gargano. And it's a shame, and he's just he puts so much work in. Like as champion, he was just doing some amazing stuff. But he's clearly a babyface now. Yeah, but you never know about the whole Johnny Gargano and Champa situation because now WWE has reason to keep people on NXT to compete with AEW. So they're probably not going to be calling up people as quickly. That's so very true. You could totally have them just stay in NXT and maybe a year or two down the line, come back to the storyline, and maybe it'll be better than ever. It's possible. One thing I'd really love to see is that I, if Champa doesn't win the NXT Championship, I want to see DIY versus uh, Undisputed Era for the tag titles. Mm. Have them feud. Because that puts... That makes your tag division stronger, and you're putting these two teams against each other. They had a match in the Dusty T- Rose Tag Team Classic earlier this year. But I, I would just love to see them feud together for the tag titles one last time. Even if it's just a one-off, because because this is the this is the second they've I'm sorry they've come together what two times already, right? Well, they came together originally as a tag team, the Dusty Classic, in the first one. Then they were kind of just given like opportunities, and then they eventually just got contracts and became a tag team. And then they eventually you know broke up the tag team. Champa got hurt. 
Champa comes back, and then the feud like really kicks off. So they've only ever really broken up twice. They broke up the first time when Champa turned heel, and the second time when Champa tried to turn heel on Johnny again after they lost in the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Yeah, because you don't want to split them up and put them together too many times, because that's almost as bad no. as flopping between face and heel. No, that that you get a point right there. You don't want to get in like big show territory of heel face turns. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think having them as like as an alliance, as allies, and you can always kind of come back to DIY once in a while, and not necessarily make them the focus. Like, you could have Gargano and Ciampa feud with Era for the tag titles. They could win the tag titles, and they can drop them to somebody else. And they and you don't have to have them feud again right away. You can feud. You could have them feud down the line. But with what we've seen with NXT, uh, Joe, who would you want to see Cole face in the next takeover? Do you want to see him face Champa or Finn Balor? Man, I don't know. Because if you don't face Balor, who's Balor going to face? Because he clearly came out for Adam Cole. And so the Champa. You know, Champa also did the same thing. So honestly, I think it's going to be Champa versus Finn for the right to face Cole. I think and so at too. At that point, probably Champa because he just came back and then Finn can do something else. I mean, who's to say that Finn can't face Cole down the line for the championship? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I think you give Champa that uh opportunity first, only cuz people have been waiting for him so long. Yeah, and I think now he's like the biggest babyface in the show. Yeah, probably. For sure. I mean, the reaction he got. Um, next week looks good too. Walter versus Kushida, Leo Rush versus Drew uh, Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight Championship. That'll be fun. But let's finish up the night with AEW. So, the we had the championship match between Riho and Nyla Rose. Apologize for us being all over the place here. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. So oh, yeah. big week in wrestling. Big big week. Um, how? What do you think of the women's championship? A lot of people are saying like it just looks kind of small. I love it. It's like a old school title. I really like the shape inside. I I like everything about the title. Honestly, I like it too. I mean, a lot of women's championships. They not a lot, but certain women's championships back in the day, it looked like that. It's got a classic feel to it, and I like. Yeah, it looks that. like something Mae Young would hold, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I like the championship, and sure, putting it on like the smaller looking opponent makes sense to kind of make it look bigger, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but man, I love this match. Uh, I I love Riho. I, I've been a, I've just was instantly a fan of hers when I saw her at Double or Nothing with stuff that she did. Uh, having her be the first AEW Women's Champion, uh, you could have put her, you could have put someone like Britt Baker in there, and have her be the first one. But to, I think they're really trying to build Riho as the babyface right now in the women's division. Uh, Nyla Rose, I, I mean, it's just simple booking. The big monster heel. I, I think it's, I think she's doing really good work. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as someone coming in watching these people for the first time it's hard to get a real opinion on them because the match itself I honestly thought was pretty poor I think it was actually the worst, the worst night uh, match of the night did you really? I did because you know what the big versus little thing has to be done really well 
And when Rio, whenever Rio tried to get offense on Nyla Rose, it didn't feel like she was really making any impact. I mean, every once in a while she'd have a good kick or something like that, but it kind of felt like she was bouncing off her, but Nyla was still selling the move, you know? I don't know. I just didn't seem... I don't want to say realistic because wrestling obviously isn't realistic, but you have to make it at least give the give the illusion that it's realistic. And it just didn't seem like that to me. It, it, I was just, I don't know. I was kind of bored throughout the entire thing. It it could be that you may not you're not familiar with these women. That that could play a part into it. But um, I felt overall that they, they did a good job. There are a few you know miscommunications in in there, but they 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 picked on it picked up on it pretty quick. Um, I like that Nyla Rose just. Attacked Michael Nakazawa and Riho after the match, and then Kenny came in for the save. He's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, that was what interesting. You, potentially setting up a match, maybe between Kenny and Nyla. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I think moving on to the main event, mm. the Elite, the the Elite, <laughs> faced Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX. What a mess this was, but in a good way. Yeah, you could say it was a mess. I was a, the match was going pretty well so far. Uh, I love the spot where Jericho had Kenny in the walls, and then the Bucks just super kicked, double super kicked him right in the face. <laughs> yeah. uh, the first they said on commentary, the first super kick party on TNT. Um, I thought this was gonna be like be like a really fun six man tag throughout the match. Um, I really wasn't expecting what ha- what to happen happened. Um, the one thing that I felt was really strange, Moxley came in, and I thought, oh, man, they're going to ruin, like, end the match like that? But the match kept going. I don't... Why was he disqualified? I don't know. Apparently, I, I had heard on other reviews, like on WrestleTalk, apparently commentary mentioned that there was no disqualifications or whatever. I, I must... I If I missed that, I don't know. I think but, everyone missed it, because everyone was asking the same thing. I was very confused, but... But I liked it didn't end there. Um, the beatdown between Omega and Moxley, I know you were like a little, like some parts, you're just like some parts weren't executed as well. But I think for the most part, when Moxley came in, and like, but I loved how Kenny was selling that he knew Moxley was there. It wasn't just like one of those dumb WWE moments where like, you know, a prime example is when Sami Zayn was like getting Undertaker to leave at MS- when he did MSG and SmackDown. A SmackDown MSG, and he gave him the mic, and he's and he's like, "Yeah, I did it. I got Undertaker to, to go away." And then people start cheering, and he's like, "Yeah, cheer!" Like it's not one of those stupid things. Kenny knew he realized, "Oh shit, Moxley's right behind me, isn't there? Isn't hmm. he?" His eyes just got wider, and then Moxley's right there and starts beating him up. Um, what I loved was the finish of this beatdown, where oh, yeah. where Moxley just drives Omega's head into that glass table. I love how he's just tweaked his finisher just a little bit, and it looks so much better. It's like a jumping DDT almost, right? Or like a... Yeah. I don't know what, what you would call it. I can't remember... I don't remember what they... I think they call his finisher in AEW a paradigm shift, but they call his finish... the finisher he ha, uh, His finisher uh, Death Rider in New Japan. I think because New Japan had the uh, the copyrights for that. And yeah, Mox, okay. Moxley is still currently wrestling in New Japan. Which is pretty interesting that Moxley's going to be able to do both. Yeah, that is weird. The only thing is, is that AEW does not allow Moxley to wrestle shows for New Japan if they are in the U.S. Because in the U.S. and North America, he is exclusive to AEW. Yeah, that makes sense. But Which, I mean, they they, they cre- have to credit a lot of their success from uh, New Japan, so they they pretty much I'm, have to have a good I'm, relationship. 
Yeah, there may not be a partnership, but I think they can have a good working relationship. Being like, oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because Jericho went over there to work a match with Okada. Apparently, Jericho and Omega both have clauses in their contracts where they can go work for New Japan once in a while, if needed be. So that gives hope for me, because just being a big fan of Ibushi and Omega and their story, to eventually have a match with them someday. But New Japan, we can finish have for another time, because we've been going on this for a while now. <laughs> um, so, we have that, and Moxley had the beat down, he beat down Omega, now it's just two on three, it's the Bucks against Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. Uh, Ortiz, and Jer- Ortiz, Santana, and Jericho win, Cody comes down for the for the save, and they start get beaten down. Sammy Guevara comes down and kicks him in the dick. Uh, uh, your boy Gold Dust Dustin comes down uh, at at out <laughs> of nowhere. Uh, Jack Swagger, or Jake Hager, he's in AEW now. Uh, you know what we see here is it appears that we have a new faction in AEW. Chris Jericho, Santana and Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager. Now, what do you think about this this faction? Why not? I mean, it's kind of too early because they just started, but why not? <laughs> factions are always good. and Factions you know, are NWO, great! NWO proved that, D-Generation X proved that, and I'm sure that they're going to be this, you know, this company's version of those. The, so. the, the heel stable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember I messaged you, I think it was yet today or the other day, so the, the new name for Jericho Stable, Bubbly Club. Oh, absolutely. The Bubbly Clubly. Yeah, and you said the Bubbly Clubly. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of the Bubbly Clubly. <laughs> By the way, Jake Hager, I never realized how big this dude was. Yeah. Until he showed up here. I mean, I've met the guy in real life, too. and he was Have you really? Like, you know, all the... Oh yeah, that was the same night I met. I met him, Vicky Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, uh, a couple of other guys that I can't remember. It was at the uh, Sheridan Hotel near um, the Izod Center. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, like, but Hager is huge, man. Um, that's why I think that Zantan and Ortiz are going to interfere in the Young Bucks tag team match against Private Party on Wednesday, and they're going to cost them the the tournament. Um. You have what is it? Uh, there's five or six guys: Jericho, Hager, Guevara, Santana, Ortiz. So yeah, so you have five guys. Typically in a faction, every guy in a faction goes after a championship. But there's currently only three championships in AEW right now. I don't know if there will be a mid card championship. I think Cody has alluded that at some point there will be like a, like a TV title for a mid card yeah, title. Yeah, probably. Because events there has to be at some point. You know, the more your roster grows, you have to have something. Yeah, right now they say they're okay with how their roster is. They said they're they're like this is the a good size, especially since they're only having one TV show. So right. they're not looking to sign too many other people. But 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 hey, if someone comes on their radar and they're interested, you know they'll they'll definitely listen and talk. I mean, they just can't do the WWE thing. We're having a title, just belts overflowing mm. the company. Because at a certain point they just start to lose meaning, so well, it's good to kind of keep it low, keep the title count low. Cody and the Bucks said, uh, I believe it was uh, Double or Nothing weekend, like they were just shitting all over the twenty four seven title. Cody's just like, like we all love Mick, right? We all love him. Like I love Mick Foley, 
but what the F was that? He said, he actually <laughs> said the actual word. It's like, that thing looks ugly as hell. And then they're all talking about it. And then I said, they think the interviewer asked, like, are you good, a guy's going to have a whole lot of titles? And Nick Jackson's like, no, 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 no. Look, we're going to have a set amount of titles. We're not going to have so many. We're, our titles are going to feel important. We're not going to oversaturate the roster like that. And that's fine. Because I talked with Sean on a previous episode that there are way too many championships in WWE. Absolutely. F- far too many championships. Although the funny thing is, the 24-7 title is almost the most exciting title on the roster because <laughs> there's always something going on with it the 24-7 title shenanigans for me have gone down a bit it's kind of ran its course especially with our truth doing it I was really I entertaining. it is entertaining don't get me wrong it, yeah. but but they're not as good with, with the whole stuff he was doing with Drake Maverick oh, okay I can see but um I think AEW they had to hit a home run here and I think they did it I think they hit a home run, and they really were able to entice people to watch. Now, what I noticed is that Dynamite is on tape delay right after it aired live. I don't understand why they're doing that, to be honest. I, I mean, think that's I, get that, I think that's for California, the West Coast. Oh, I thought it was because if anyone you know was watching NXT, they can go ahead and watch what they missed in AEW. They could the they could do that, but I think the main reason was for the West Coast viewers because a lot of people aren't... Because there's a three-hour time difference and the show right. starts at 8 o'clock and most people are going to be getting out of work at 5 o'clock. So they're probably not going to have time to, you know, head home and watch AEW right away if they want to go... If they have full-time jobs. You know what I mean? But see, I don't... I still don't really get... I don't, I don't agree with that because... West Coast people are kind of used to that at this point. I mean, it's an unfortunate, you know, just fact of life with the time zone difference. Everything just tends to revolve around the East Coast for some reason. But I feel like they're actually going to entice more people to watch NXT. Because why would you ever watch AEW if it's just going to air after NXT anyway? So now you can just watch NXT, then watch AEW afterwards. They could. And not miss a thing. They easily could. But at the same time, NXT is going to be on the net is is like it's like on Hulu the next day and then it's on the network a couple of days later. Yeah, but it's also different because you have to pay for Hulu. You have to pay for you know uh, WWE Network. The TNT is live TV. Live TV as long as you have cable or dish or whatever you have, you're going to watch it for free. So why give people the option of watching your competitor versus you? It's very true, but again. WWE is still giving that option, only it's a paid option. Yes, AEW may be a free paid op- a free option as long as you're paying for cable, but in the end, you're both paying for something. And right. either way, one is still giving the other an opportunity to watch the other the other show if they missed it. Because I think they realize people who watch AEW are probably also watching NXT as well, and they're the hardcore wrestling fan market. And as the ratings show that came out this week, AEW, more people were watching AEW than they were NXT. That, I don't know if I would trust those statistics, though. Only because, I mean, I'm not saying they're inaccurate, but this is AEW's first show. Obviously, people are going to be flocking to this. After, like, a year, that number might change. (laughs) It could could change for the better, it could change for the worse. We don't know. But I think as long... 
there are a few things that AEW needs to fix a little bit. I do think they need to fix, like, the whole thing with Moxley and Omega. They need to make things clear that this is a match of no disqualifications. They need to do tweak a few things. Because for a company right. that is very serious on making sure that you're paying attention to detail, there were a few slip-ups. Overall, right. the show, I think, was great. I enjoyed it. And it was a great alternative. And it was a nice something new than what I've been watching for almost all my life with Raw and SmackDown every week. I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it was very good, but I don't think it was necessarily a home run. There was things that I came into... What was it? Wednesday night. It was things going into the show that I was curious about. I knew AEW's wrestling was going to be fine, and it was. It was always going to be good, and it was good. I was worried about their character work, and their storytelling. Storytelling, I can't really tell yet because, you know, they just started. As far as their character work and just promos and stuff like that, everything that happened on the show that wasn't a match seemed sloppy to me. Really? And I'm not saying that, you know, that's going to be AEW. They have plenty of time to uh, I, I said that I'm not going to be able to have a style on the show until probably a year. Probably a good time for them to you know get get everything together and really find the identity. Uh, SCU and Lucha Bros, you know, I thought that was kind of sloppy. And the promo before that with uh, Kevin Smith and the other one, I thought was just kind of not very good executed properly. So you know they do have some work to do. I wouldn't say it was a home run, but it was a solid start to their. You know, to their program. Alright, well that's a fair assessment. I'm not going to argue with it. It's a fair assessment. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, AEW, and I enjoyed NXT. Um, thought SmackDown was okay. Raw was, oh god, hell in a cell. Even, <laughs> even worse. But, pal, I think we've been talking about this, what feels like for maybe two hours now. This may be the longest <laughs> podcast that I've ever done in this show's history. Okay, listen, I'm really good at wasting time. Me too. <laughs> Sean is... Really quick, though. It, what's that? What'd you think was better, AEW or NXT? Which one won? First week. <sighs> Wins and losses matter now. Yeah, they do. You gotta count them. Um, oh, another match we didn't talk about was Hangman Page and Pac. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. It was that. good. Uh, nothing big I happened, that. I don't think. It I love that. I loved, I just loved Pac in this yeah. match for his heel work. <laughs> I love I mean, He was always good. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. <laughs> um... Uh, I want to say uh, NXT by a hair. Mm. NXT by a hair. Um, you know, because you did have Finn Balor come back. You had Champa come back. You had that amazing match of Cole and Riddle. You had the great tag team match with Profits and Era, uh, Baszler and uh, Kenneth Ray. But you had great stuff with AEW with Cody and, and Sammy. Uh, the main event segment, uh, Pack and Hangman Page. So... I say NXT by a hair, but it's, I don't know, man. I i would say for the match quality, it was probably NXT. For just excitement, I was more excited for AEW. But again... Yeah, AEW is definitely the more important show. It was more, it was the more important, that's why, I, I watched yeah. AEW live. I didn't watch NXT live. I watched AEW live because I wasn't going to miss the first episode of TV. Right. So, but anyway, we've been talking here for a while. Um, 
your point of uh, with AEW was kind of fading in and out a little bit. So I oh, don't no. I don't know how that's going to come out. But just give the gist of what you thought that was. Like the th- just the tweaks and and nooks and crannies and meat and potatoes that AEW kind of needs to fix a little bit. AEW wrestling good. AEW everything else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Simple as that. So so th- And that's the show. <laughs> All right. So okay, so they just need to work on just just more of the overall product. The in-ring is is doing well. And that's always going to be good. Yeah, I just want them to go in the direction where they, I don't want them to just be a wrestling show because let's get this straight. Wrestling isn't wrestling, okay? Wrestling is already its own thing. I think sports entertainment, even though people don't like it, is a good term for it. You know, wrestling overall is it has much more to do with in-ring stuff. You have 30% wrestling, 30% character and promo work, and 30% booking. And then the 10% could be like, you know, showmanship or whatever. That's what makes a real sports entertainment slash wrestling show. And they have to work on getting all of those pieces, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. All right. Well, on that note, my friend, I think it's time to end the podcast there. So I just want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we're going to apologize again for any technical difficulties or fading in and out that you may hear on mine or Joe's parts. Uh, I hope you get the gist of what we said. Um, yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice to see a little different dynamic from someone who was kind of more on the outside looking in, kind of one foot in the door, one foot out of the door when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, and I was really glad that you get, get your opinion and your thoughts on what's been going on recently. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add at the end, Joe? Anything you want to plug? You want people to follow you on social media or something like that? Goldust is the greatest wrestler of all time. Fight. Okay. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> That's it. We're good. All right. Okay. Uh, make sure to, to follow us on Twitter <laughs> at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. To like us on Instagram, Not Another Wrestling po- Follow us on Instagram, Instagram, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. So for CJ Palmasano and for my good friend Joe Stanziali, we will see you next time. <laughs>